Welcome to Game Face, episode 205 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is going to be a landmark episode for all the worst reasons. Um, if you guys watched Sifted HQ, a new episode went up this morning. I explained it a little bit, uh, but I also want to do it here on Game Face because this is our flagship show. Um, things are bad. You guys are all aware of that no matter where you live at this point with uh, coronavirus and the COVID-19 We've been pretty lucky here in Los Angeles considering our population. Um, we had a relatively minuscule number of cases, but like everywhere else, that's changing now. Um, and it is getting to the point where it is a legitimate risk to get together with virtually anyone uh, live right now. So this will be the last episode of Game Face, kind of as you know it. As you guys know, Matt was uh, not in the studio last week. Um, but both Mitch and I are here today, but this will be the last time. Um, so going forward with Game Face, the show is going to look it's going to look different, um, and I think our live streams are mostly going to be what's affected the most because only one of us can be in here at a time going forward until this is kind of all over with. Uh, we haven't really figured out yet whether I'm going to be here or Mitch will be here, but either way, it's going to be difficult to do the show in the same way. So the the live stream of the show, probably for the foreseeable future, is just going to be a bunch of talking. Uh, we're probably not going to have a lot of B-roll on the show. It's going to be a show where we're going to have to do a lot of post-production work to it. Um, so we'll leave here. We'll have the recording of the conversation. Uh, and then we're going to have to go in and manually by hand edit the show together with gameplay footage and graphics and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to suck. But people, there are so many people in far worse situations than us that whatever. It's We're just going to roll with the punches. So... This is the last uh, stream of Game Face. It's going to look crazy polished with fancy graphics and tons of B-roll, at least live. Uh, our patrons, people who subscribe on Patreon, um, they're going to be able to get the polished version of Game Face. It probably won't be going up the next morning, though, because, like I said, there's going to be a lot of post-production work that needs to be done. Um, but it will be going up the next day at some point. So... Just like everybody else, we're just doing the best that we can to get through this. And again, I, I don't know that this is going to be a short-term thing. In all honesty, um, it's looking like cases are going to peak in a couple weeks, best case scenario. But that doesn't mean that it's over. I mean, that just means that we start down the tail, uh, which could also go on for quite a while. So anyway, just wanted to let you guys know what's going on here. Um, it just It's got to the point where... Basically, you know, as somebody who's running the site, I thought to myself, when it gets to the point where I'm nervous about going in, that's when it's going to end, and we've reached that point. So, uh, 205. Hopefully, this this episode won't go down in infamy uh, as the last show we ever saw like this. Uh, I know everyone's going through tough financial times right now. Some people are losing their jobs or they're getting their hours cut back or whatever. I just want you guys to know that I feel for you. Um, it sucks, man. It sucks for so many reasons for so many people. Uh, and I just want to know, want you to know that uh, my heart goes out to any of you guys who have lost your job. Obviously, uh, with the way Sifted is set up, you know, we're, we might be in trouble too. So everyone's just kind of in the same boat. Uh, we just keep following the news and keep, uh, doing what we're told to try to keep as many people safe as possible. So anyway, uh, we do have our crew here. Uh, we do have Matt on Skype. What's up, Matt Kyle? Hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the to the minefields. Yeah, um, and you can see we have new graphics uh, for the show that hopefully will help get us through kind of these tough times on the site 
and just in general. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot more picture-in-picture and stuff, a lot more Brady Bunch-like stuff in the show, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better term. It's just really the only way to do it. And we're really lucky, in all honesty, that technology is at a place right now where we can do something like this at all, to be perfectly honest with Here's you. Here's a story of a bug named COVID. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. You can out. see I'm coming to you from the robot room now. i got to look at you this way so I can point to you yeah. <laughs> through the window. <laughs> Oh, is that? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing the Brady. I'll, I'm doing the Brady Bunch see, thing. See, I only see you on Skype. Right. So I don't, I, I can't see the show. Yeah, yeah, Matt doesn't actually have, like, the master video feed going to him. He just has a webcam that's kind of showing the studio. So all I can see is the, the side of my ugly mug. Oh, we also have Mitch, yeah. who's in the uh, on shower duty, possibly for the last time for quite a while. Yeah, the shower ain't clean enough. <laughs> <laughs> I did come in yesterday when I was shooting stuff for Sifted HQ and, like, clean everything in here with soap and water and wiped it all down so i think we're good but yes who knows so. they're saying that stuff can live on the bottom of a shoe for like five years or so. i don't even know it it's, can live on surfaces for days yeah depending on the surface yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a little nerve-wracking to, to be clear to be clear it can be detected for days okay. that means you can find rna strands of it that does not mean it is infectious that long okay that's encouraging very delicate yeah and virus I, are very delicate the crazy thing about it is literally soap just kills it instantly. The bubbles in the soap yeah. break up the strands of the virus, and it's just done. Uh, so I came in here literally with, like, soap and water and cleaned everything in here. Um, but anyway, That's going forward, it's going to be different. Like the, I got to say, I, w- I was at Target yesterday. I went out into the waste la-la land, and um, they were like, every cashier was wiping down the entire register, the, the pin pad, the, the, the conveyor belt between every customer. Like they were doing, they were doing it upright. Dude, I won't touch anything. I won't touch doorknobs. I use my elbow to press elevator buttons or anything like that. I don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was at, I was at Target. And uh, they were wiping down the self-scanning stations. They wouldn't let you touch the station until they wiped it all down completely. And then also, so also in our conversation, Shane, I mean, our reaction has been a little bit different because also because things have been changing in L.A. Like last time I went to the grocery store, you know, five days ago, it was fine. Yeah, things were getting picked off the shelves. But now it's a 25 person limit to go in the grocery store. Yep. So it's way different that made us have conversations about reassessing what we wanted to do going forward. I mean, the good news is that we got some encouraging news here in California yesterday. Uh, the hospitals here have been prepared for this crazy spike, and they expected it to start happening in the last couple of days, and it hasn't happened. So it appears that what we're doing is working. So everybody keep doing it. What frustrates me about this whole thing that people won't get is – The longer it takes for everybody to stay inside, the longer this is going to go on. So if you're feeling selfish and you feel like, I need to go out to a bar or a pub or I need to go to a farmer's market, don't. Uh, Every time that somebody does that, you're just extending the period we're going to have to live in this hell. So everybody just hunker down for a couple months. Just live on Twitch. Watch our podcast. Watch all the other podcasts. We're going to be here to kind of help you guys get through it, give you guys some entertainment. I know everybody at this point, myself included, I'm starting to run out of TV shows to watch. So, <laughs> And there ain't new ones coming out either because those companies want to wait to release them. So like well, Disney right now is in a predicament because they want to maybe release the um, Black Widow and Mulan on uh, online for quite an expensive price because they need revenue. 
Well, and they don't have new. They don't have anything in the works. Well, like The Walking Dead, for instance. Again, I do still watch it, unlike everybody else on the planet. Um, they went through a whole season, got to the penultimate episode before the finale this week, and now the finale isn't happening for like months. Same thing with a bunch yep. of shows. A bunch of shows have Su- to stop. Supernatural that happened with too. It's crazy. I've never watched a whole season of a show, got to the watch the next to last episode of a season and then had to wait like months for it. But they, you know, they hadn't got the post-production done for that last episode and they can't bring people in to do it. So, yeah, uh, entertainment's starting to run a little bit dry. Uh, I would just recommend literally living on Twitch and just kind of put together a schedule of like when we go live, when Easy Allies goes live, when Kind of Funny goes live, IGN, all those guys and just stack them and get yourself a schedule. Also, is anyone watching this who has finished every game they own? That's true. This is a good time to get <laughs> no. through backlog stuff as well. Um, and there are great games good coming out. for a JRPG. It is a great, it's a great time for Especially Persona 5 early. Royal. Well, mean, or you got Final Fantasy VII early. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Persona 5, if you started it now, might get you through this whole thing. That's how big it is. It's like a hundred some hours long. When I first played it, it took me an entire month. Like yeah. I tried to review that game and it took me an entire month because I spent yeah. 120 hours on that thing. Yep. I mean, the good news is there are good games coming out and we're here to talk about them with you guys right now. Um, Nintendo had a big event last week, a Nintendo Direct Mini. We're going to kick off the show with that. Um, I think my overarching opinion of the Direct is we're seeing... We're seeing Nintendo with the Switch shift from fifth to sixth gear. Um, it, it's it, it's at the point where it's a it's a runaway success. It's done very well with first party stuff, and really the only missing element of it has been extensive third party support, and that's really what we got with this Nintendo Direct. It was almost all third party stuff, which with the first party stuff drying up a little bit right now. Animal Crossing obviously just came out. Uh, but there's not a lot of stuff right on the horizon for Switch from first party. Uh, this is the exact right strategy. Matt, what did you take away from that Direct? Um, I thought it was pretty good, although it was so focused on kind of the immediate stuff that I felt like um, you know, we still don't really know a lot about the end of the year. Um, but it was a nice sort of like, hey, stuff's coming, like, chill out for a second, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um uh, it, it, there was some good stuff, and I mean, uh, the most exciting part of it to me, it was obviously um, uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles getting a release date. Yeah. Um, the same day as Last of Us Part Two, which is interesting. <laughs> um, I'm guessing there's not but, a lot of crossover uh, between those two audiences, though. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. I mean, it's crossover for me. By the way, you guys um, are all seeing. Let's go back to Matt's shot there. Nope. By the way, you guys are all seeing Matt's Transformers collection right now. Literally. Part of it. Do you think you're in maybe the top 10 collections in the world, Matt? Not even close. Really? Wow. No. That blows my mind. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have like 1,500. Uh-huh. But like, I'm in, group, I'm in like Facebook groups that where there's, there's people that have like 10,000. Wow. Like it's not. I, I mean, I have a lot, but like top 10. No. Not top, even. Like top 50 maybe? Top 100. Oh, top 100 gosh. maybe. Wow. Like maybe. That <laughs> blows my mind. Like, okay. do not underestimate the. I'm. I am. When it comes to the really, I am not the Tiger King of Transformers <laughs> collecting. I promise you, I am. I am a very moderate person about it. Okay. Compared to some of the people I know. All right. Let's start running through this stuff because there's a lot of games to talk about. Uh, the first one I want to bring up is Star Wars Jedi Academy. 
Um, Matt, I think a lot of people who saw this probably don't know what this game is. So maybe you could fill them in a little bit about it. Um, yeah, hang on. I got to pull up some stuff here. Jedi Academy? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jedi Academy is a 17, 16-year-old game, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2003. Yep. Um, it's the fourth Dark Forces game, the third Jedi Knight game, the second Jedi Outcast game. Um, the last game in that series, and it was uh, an odd... So I'm, I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't like Jedi Outcast. Okay. Um, which I thought it was a terrible game, frankly. I think it was the, the pinnacle of Raven Software's Hunt the Switch terrible level design and just had, like, clunky, like, ra- almost random combat. Like, I thought it was a terrible attempt at everything it was trying to do. Um, everyone else thinks it's the greatest thing ever, whatever. I also don't like Kyle Katarn as a character. Yeah, I don't either. you play as in Jedi Outcast. Yep. Now, in Jedi Academy, they decided to jump it forward a year, I think, in the timeline and set it in a Jedi Academy. Um, and they didn't want to, uh, Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy, like 12 years after Return of the Jedi in the old expanded universe. And they didn't want to make it, um, they didn't want to have you play Kyle again because Kyle kept his Jedi powers at the end of the last game and he'd be overpowered to start a new game. So they decided to set it at the Academy and have you create a new Jedi who's going to school, going to Jedi school. And that was cool because you get to create, you know, you get a male or female. You can, you can pick all these different alien races, design what they look like, design their lightsaber. Um, you get to, over the course of the game, you get to pick dual lightsabers or, or a, a double-bladed saber if you want. Um, and the other advantage it has is one of the things that was really annoying about Jedi Outcast to me was that it had really big, long, winding levels that just never frickin' ended. And uh, Jedi Academy does a thing where there's, there's stuff you have to play for the story, but it breaks down into like sections where it's like, okay, here's five missions that Luke wants to send you on. Pick whichever one you want. And, they're, they're, and you go and do whatever you want. They're sort of like quick little self-contained places. They're all on different planets, and they all have different ideas. Like Some of them are platforming-focused. Some of them are combat-focused. Some of them are puzzle-focused. And it's just a much better game like the 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 level design is just way more interesting they clearly let the level designers kind of go nuts with whatever they wanted to do on a bunch of them and it just feels like a more inspired game than outcast was um and it has been on the other platforms for a while but if you haven't ever played it before and i know a few of my friends that are younger and have switches have never played it before um and you wanted uh, fallen order to be more of like an kind of an action RPG build your character thing where you get to design your own character and not get stuck with Cal as sort of a pre-rolled character. Uh, this might be what you're after if you can deal with sort of the jank of a 17-year-old game. Are you surprised that they've revived this game? It seems very random to me. They've been, I mean, the the backwards compatibility or kind of the re- resurrection of the old Star Wars games has been in process on various platforms for the last two years or so. Like, the, the Xbox One has a ton of old Star Wars games on it, even going back to the original Xbox backwards compatibility stuff. And this this is on it. So it doesn't super surprise me. Outcast hit the PS4 uh, a while, like last year. Um, so they are bringing back these old games, I think, just to have some kind of content on these platforms. Because um, it's better than nothing. Like you're really yeah. in better than nothing territory with Star Wars right now, is because of how badly EA has mishandled the license. Um, but like, it's not it's not a bad show. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to play on a key on a controller. Um, I haven't played the Switch version, but I have played it on Xbox uh, Xbox One, and 
you are talking about a game that had a ton of force powers you could map to all the number keys and a keyboard, obviously. So they had to come up with a bunch of weird ways to sort of like switch between the powers, like with a key with a controller, and it doesn't quite work as well. And but it's functional, but it does feel uh, these games were pretty tough, even on normal difficulty on the com- on the computer. And I feel like even on normal difficulty, they are not as hard on the consoles as they were on um, on PC. Now, granted, the granted Xbox One, I'm playing it. You know, it's technically the Xbox, the original Xbox version. So maybe they did that at the time to make it simpler because you know controllers were not controller schemes didn't work as well. But it is fun to play a game that's like that old and realize how far we've come yeah, just in terms sure. of of how facial animation and the fact that the, when the character is not moving, the character just stands there and doesn't move. Like there's no, <laughs> it doesn't there's have no an idle animation. <laughs> no, they just stand there like stone still. So you think it's so like weird. crashed or something. <laughs> yeah. It looks, it looks like an error, but like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's the quake three engine or modified version. So it's uh, it's a nice flashback to that. Should people buy it, Matt? I mean, it's twenty bucks. It's not if you yeah. if you if you're craving some Jedi action or you got a nostalgia pang for the these old games. Like, I think it's the the probably the second best game in the series. Uh, the best game is uh, is Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight, but almost nobody there's no console version of that. And the only version I think that works right now is on um, uh, GOG. You can get it on GOG, uh, and it's kind of a. I haven't actually gotten it to work properly with my 3D card yet. Like you have to like kind of mess with it a bit, and it's even older. That's like first wave 3D acceleration stuff, so it's even older. It, like so, this is a little easier to stomach, I think, for a modern audience. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 cool. Like, and it's I've an seen, old it's clunky Star Wars my, game, but for twenty is, bucks, it's fun watching my. It's fun watching my twenty-something friends play this and be like, "This was Star Wars <laughs> then?" Like, it's like. You know, they're, they're too young to have played this stuff, and they're like, he, my Jedi Master just wants me to call him Kyle. Like, his <laughs> name is Kyle. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, you don't think about how, like, why does Kyle Katarn have a normal name? Right, besides right. Luke, he's the only people with an actual real name. That's true. In yep. Star Wars. That's true. All right, next up, Panzer Dragoon Remake. Uh, another game that was shown off in this Direct and then just dropped, uh, announced, and then off you go. You can buy it. Uh, this is not to be confused with Panzer Dragon Saga, which is yeah, literally a legendary really... RPG and the one that people really kind of opine over. Uh, this is an on-rails shooter. Um, I, how do you think this is going to fly in today's market, Matt? Because I think Panzer Dragon Saga would do fine. This game, not so sure. I don't know. Like, It's hard to predict what things will work and not work on the Switch, like people seem pretty open-minded about buying some of these things in a way that surprises me a lot. Yeah, the right platform um, for sure for this. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I bought it just because I'm a Panzer Dragoon nut, and I figure any any little thing I can throw in the coffer there might help get a Panzer Dragoon Saga remake at some point in the future. Why will they not um, do that? Why will Sega not do that? It makes no sense whatsoever. It's just a. I think it would be a. You'd have. They lost a source code, so it would be a ground up remake. I think that's and okay. I, I think it know. needs to have that done, though, doesn't it? I mean, maybe at this point. I mean, at this point, though, I'd wait to do it for next gen systems. So maybe that's what they're stalling for. That could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Panzer, I think Panzer Dragoon Saga, Panzer, not Saga. I think Panzer Dragoon Two is a better game yep. than one. So hopefully, they're going to do two as well with this treatment because it does look nice it does and it's uh, this is also coming to pc eventually it's a timed exclusive on switch so and stadia 
And Stadia? Yes. Okay. And Stadia all this winter. Okay. So you have a little bit of a window with Switch where you can only buy it there, but it is eventually coming to other platforms, so keep that in mind. Uh, next up, an ARMS character is coming to Smash Brothers. Matt, is this a case of they're just running out of characters to put in the game, or do you think it's a good fit? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a good fit. I don't care about ARMS at all, um, but I do I do keep eyes on sort of the... the uh, you know the Nintendo chatter online sometimes, especially on Twitter and such. Hard to and, like, avoid. People have <laughs> people have asked for arms for a while. Okay. Like people do want an arms character in there. The, the, the hardcore fans do want that game to be represented in the roster, so it makes sense to me. I mean, it's not going to get my money yet, like for the season pass or anything. But like, it's not. It, 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 it to me, it's an indication that they're listening. Yeah, I think I, it's a. I think it's both. You know, they. ARMS offers a unique way maybe to have the combat be for that character because the ARMS can extend. I don't think there's a Smash Brothers character that has an ability like that. So I think it offers something a little bit different. No, but, but my point the- is that would that break the game? Because it's so out of character for the rest of the the franchise to I have a th- character that can operate in the way ARMS characters do. I think there's a way you can limit it. You know, uh, maybe you only limit the ARM extensions to grabs only, and maybe the ARM movement isn't as quick, so it's easy to dodge and you have to time it correctly. I think there's minute detail changes you can make to the character to be able to accommodate for having arms. Well, a lot of this stuff just flat out isn't going to work because one of the strategies in arms is you send your arms out, but then you can curve them around objectives and other characters. I don't see how that's going to work on a 2D plane. So I think just organically, they're going to have to kind of nerf what you can do in the real arms game for the character that ends up in Smash. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if you could stand still maybe and like the character would be standing still when you throw your arms out, but you can use the controller to control the movement of the arm itself, almost like a movement of like a snake. Yeah. Uh, That way you are limiting, you know, you have the extension of of the range of the character's attack, but at the same time you are limiting the character because you are vulnerable by standing still. It is, it would still be on a 2D plane though. So you'd only be sort of drawing that line of the arms from the side, so to speak. exactly. Um, Which could work. Um, It'll be interesting. I think this may be one of the more interesting characters to ever come to this franchise, in all honesty, to see how they they handle it. Because, you know, dude with a sword, that's easy to get into the game. Arms, not so much. So something I thought that might be hilarious that they could do is the arm person shoots their arm from one end of the map, and then it comes back on the other side and whacks the person. <laughs> like, that would be a clever way to handle it. Uh, I don't think people would like that. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense either, but it, I it, guess. It, it breaks the it breaks the mold of understanding how the rules work. But, you know, whatever. It's uh, Smash Bros. Yep. Uh, and then Xenoblade, as Matt said earlier, Xenoblade Chronicles, um, the definitive edition, is coming May 29th. We finally got a release date for that. This is looking pretty sharp. And it's certainly far more, it's a far better game than the last Xenoblade Chronicles we got. Um, you think this yes. has a chance to kind of be a, a sleeper hit? I mean, it can't hurt. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of competition on the platform at the time. And it is head and shoulders the best game in the series. Yeah. Like, it's not even close. Like, Which this is so is odd so that good. the first entry ends up being the best. Usually it doesn't work out that way. Yeah, it's uncommon. But they've strayed, they've strayed further and further from the format on this. 
Um, like X was such a weird side thing, which I did like X, but it was such a strange direction to go. Um, I think they nailed the, inv- I mean, all three of the games do a really good job of creating this world to explore and be in. Um, but only the first game doesn't feel like a bad, like afternoon anime series. Like the, this X had like a, we had that weird, like, like, you know, it, it was like watching like an anime series made for like 10 year olds. Yeah. Uh, with like I all the weird episodes it. I stuff and all that. Yeah. And then Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is just trash on that from that perspective from top to bottom. Like I couldn't I couldn't take the the terrible weird quote unquote comedy and the bad writing and the weird like like TNA designs of all the all the blades were just embarrassing. Like it was like it, it was a game. I don't say this very often, but Xenoblade Chronicles Two is a game I would not play in front of other people. It embarrassed me. Yeah, I wouldn't have played it in front of my wife. I, I bounced off that one as well. It's not yeah. very good but story this game as well. Fantastic. It's a horrible story. Yep, this is the one. If you yeah. uh, want to check out what Xenoblade Chronicles is really about, this is the one you should target. Yeah, uh, I'll ne- actually go as far as to say that Xenoblade Chronicle, the first Xenoblade Chronicles, is the best JRPG of its generation. Hmm, I'd have to really think about that one, but it's certainly. Worthy of being in that discussion, without a doubt. Uh, next up, Bravely Default 2, another JRPG. This one is really a throwback to kind of the 16-bit era, albeit with upgraded visuals. Not a, upgraded a lot, but certainly better than what you would get on your Super Nintendo back in the day. Uh, when I talk about it being inspired by the classics, it's more about the turn-based combat than anything else. Um, are you excited for this game, Matt? Did you like the first Bravely Default? I did. That was a sleeper um, hit. It's one of those yeah. games that just kind of came out and caught fire. It did well for the, for the time, I think. Uh, and I, I mean, there was a this technically, I think technically the third game. They're just calling it two. Um, I mean, I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I like I like the art style. Uh, I know it's a little handheldy, um, but the character got design. Definitely some TV going on there. Yeah, but I like it. I like kind of how they're fitting them into the more realistic environments, and I really like I like everything this team has done. Yep. Um, so I I have not actually played the free demo, uh, in part because like this is one of those games where I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Like you don't need to sell me on it. And, you know, it's kind of like Zelda. It's like, yeah, you, don't, you you had me at hello. Like it's okay. Like you don't you don't need to sell me any further. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. And for as Matt said, there is a free demo on the Switch eShop right now. If you want to give it a go, always will help. As always, will help you decide whether you want to spend the money on purchasing it. I don't think they announced a release date yet for this, though. No. no, no release date. But I will say the demo is, I tried it out for a bit. They do let you know, and you should know this going into it, um, they do make the enemies harder um, initially, and they say that's purposeful. Um, it's not the default setting they would have when you play the game because they want you to use all the mechanics that they're showing you. Um, but it is a little grindy for my taste, but I definitely will go back and try it again just to see mm-hmm. if maybe it wasn't appealing the first time around. All right, now we're going to shift gears big time. We're going to go from a, a hardcore JRPG to Burnout Paradise Remastered. Um, what's your favorite Burnout, Matt? What do you think is the best of all time? Burnout 3. 3, huh? Yeah. I always question. say Burnout 2. Um because it was really like just the crash mode. It's <laughs> really all that game was. Um, and uh, I, I was like Burnout 2. Burnout 1 and 2 I also like because they were still doing their own music more then. Yeah. And I liked some of the music they put in there. And then when they went licensed soundtrack in 3, I thought it it didn't it wasn't as good. Yeah, it lost a little bit of its charm for sure. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I also, I, I've always loved this franchise. I've never disliked 
a single single entry in this franchise. But when they started getting away from making the focus crashing, which is what 2 did, it was like, you know what? This is what everyone really liked about the first one. So we're just going to make a whole game that's just about the crashes. Mm. Um, the further they got away from that, the less I enjoyed the games. Although I would certainly agree that they became more better and better crafted as time went on and more polished. Yeah, I think... Three was the perfect balance for me. Yeah. Like between racing game and, and crashing game. And then it had a separate crash mode to kind of like give you that if you needed it. Uh, Revenge, four Revenge was, was good, but it had like a, and I, I do know that this is partly tr- uh, intentional or at least partly because of the mood of the dev team at the time. Four is a very angry game. Um, is that takedown? Yeah, no, Takedown is three. three. Uh, four is Revenge. Right, okay. Um, and take the, uh, Revenge is very dark and kind of like dusty and and like kind of sepia-toned. And like it was, uh, it, it has a, a, a harder edge to it that I don't like as much as Takedown. Um, and then there is a Burnout game I don't like, and that is Burnout Paradise. Um, I think Burnout Paradise does not really qualify as a Burnout game. Yeah, I mean, it's really just another open-world arcade-style racer. Yeah, and like yeah, there's the crash thing where you can bounce down the road for a while and as a wreck of of a car, but like that is not what burnout is. Like, it was it was interesting at the time because we didn't really have any open world racers to compare it to. But I don't consider it really a burnout game. I remember I did the review for Burnout Two for I don't know if it was extended play or if we had switched to X play at that point. I can't remember. But there's a, a rule in video production. It's called the rule of three. And basically what it means is if you want to show the same thing over multiple times for comedic effect, you do it three times. Um, I, no one ever really explained to me where that comes from. But I think if you think about it, for in most cases, that makes sense. Because with three, you make the point to make it funny. If you go for four, a lot of times it kind of loses the humor. Mm-hmm. In that well, review... It's because, the, um, <laughs> it's because you establish it in the first one. You reinforce it and establish a norm with a second showing. And then the third time you subvert or undercut what you think the norm is, and that's what we find funny. Yeah. That's why That's why a rule of three works. Also, and, it was extended play because it, it was September 2002. Okay. So typically it works. However, when I went in to review that game, because I was so fascinated with the crash mode, and that's what I spent most of my time playing while I was reviewing it, I went into the edit bay, and I literally put together a montage with 23 crashes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and you go through, like, the cycle of the rule of three, like, five or six different times. And then it just starts to become absurd. And I remember when our executive producer came in to look at it. And I was sitting talking to my editor. He's like, rule of three. You're breaking the rule of three. And so I knew the executive producer was going to probably not like it. And sitting and watching his face as it just kept going and going. And watching him (laughs) go from, like, smiling to hating me. Smiling to hating me. And then finally it stopped. And he just looked at me and he goes, I like it. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) So anyway, I I definitely have an affinity for uh, the crash mode in Burnout. And I mean, to be fair, the crashes in Paradise are still good. They're just not really the crux of the game, which is why it kind of lost me. I agree with you. It's not one of the better entries in the series. Uh, Next up. But I do think I understand why it's like pushed as hard as it is because it's the most recent and it's the easiest to sort of sell to a modern audience. Yeah, it's very accessible for sure. It's going to appeal to a much wider group. So do you think that this is an indication that EA is coming back to the Switch or are they just throwing a port on because they're like, ah, it's easy? 
Um, I think EA would be stupid to not come back to the Switch at this point. I think also after seeing this Direct with so much third-party support, granted it's half-hearted, it's ports of older games, but still it is third-party support. I think as EA sees more and more of this stuff, I think it will be start to become convinced that, yes, maybe it's a good idea for us to start releasing games there again. Uh, I think EA's problem, though, is that it just doesn't match Nintendo's audience. It's sports games and a lot of bro content and things like that it it doesn't have a lot of fantasy stuff it's i just they should throw unraveled on there though yeah stuff like that i think is perfect from ea but otherwise like i think it's learned this through sales or a lack thereof that its library just isn't a great match for nintendo's audience it's just their older library is though if they would ever dig into their vault at all like there's some stuff in like i think the wing commander games would do pretty well Yep. On the Switch. Well, also remember when it tried to work with Nintendo on the Wii, it like babyfied like all its franchises. Like instead yeah. of putting The Sims out, it was My Sims, and it was like this chibi version of The Sims for kids. And I think EA has realized, hey, we don't match up so well with the Nintendo folks, so maybe we need to change mm-hmm. what we're doing to make it match. But that doesn't work either. It, it's really just about no, kind of I the core were, That was also partly like a, like a, like a mistaken attempt to snag the Wii, the Wii sports people. Yep. yep. You know, there, I think there was a lot of that. And now I don't think you'd, you'd do that on the switch. Cause the switch is a, is a more standard gaming audience. Well, remember how excited we were for, you know, the game from Steven Spielberg or wait, it was, was it Steven? The game that boom blocks. Boom yeah. blocks. And we were all excited for this, like, this is going to be some crazy fantasy sci-fi, and it just ended up being like a puzzle game. <laughs> well, and the Still a thing, great one, but it, it was just a puzzle game. Yeah, the other thing I'll say is that, yeah, they're doing ports, but the other thing is these ports are old ports. Yeah. Like, we had Burnout yeah. Paradise on console almost a year ago. Well, I mean, and, they have and, to be. Burnout Paradise on console was a lot longer than a year ago. By years. <laughs> well, years, years ago. But, and then I would say, like, another one we'll talk about later. I'm not going to say the name of it, but what, another one we'll, that did come out. I mean, I literally bought it for PlayStation, like, four months ago. So, yeah. like, it's not. I think it's a mm. too little too late on these ports. I think they're just trying to say, hey, we have them. They work on Switch. We can yep. make more money. Just throw them on there. Like I don't think they're going to have an initiative to say, let's push more of our stuff if we can on Switch. I think if they put yeah, it on also, the consoles and then they can put it on Switch, they'll do that. Yeah, also, the uh, Boom Blocks was where we found out that Steven Spielberg listened to the G-Force uh, podcast. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> Adam Adam was at some party and some guy Spielberg's assistant or someone came up to him and said, "Oh, Stephen Stephen just wanted me to say fa- wanted me to say thanks uh, to the to you for the kind words about Boom Blocks and he really enjoys feedback the show." Huh? And Adam's like, "Stephen who?" <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. then, like, he comes back and tells, I'm like, dude, you can't tell me Steven Spielberg is listening to me. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> I can't, now I'm just going to think about everything I say too much. Yep, that's awesome, though. Uh, speaking of more ports, uh, they go on. Uh, the Bioshock collection is coming to Switch. The first time Bioshock will have ever appeared on a Nintendo platform. This, I might argue, maybe isn't too late. Because this, this to me, is a franchise that I think will appeal to the typical Nintendo audience. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for me. I right, have, right. I have this series three times over on three separate platforms. It's just, you know, all the 2K announcements are from for this are too little too late, but also a good sign, yep. I guess it, is what I'd call them. It's like a harbinger, yeah, because... Oh, and you actually got this free with PlayStation Plus two months ago. That's yeah. how I got yeah. these games. Yeah, but the bottom line is there are a lot of people who own Nintendo consoles that only own nintendo consoles and they've never played some of the best games ever made 
Uh, so I, I like that at least those folks are going to be exposed to some of the stuff that we've been enjoying for a long time. It doesn't do anything for us. Um, but there, you, you could at least say that there's a, a strong shortage of games like Bioshock on the Switch. Oh yeah, I'm not going to use that stupid subgenre name, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, you know there aren't any really. There's nothing else like there's no Deus Ex games on it. There's you know this you know you can get any of that, any Prey or anything like that. So uh, yeah. it, it it does actually fill a void on the on the in the library. And I, I think, think a lot also, of these games are filling voids. As I, the lower third says, you can't see it, Matt, but it says plugging holes. Like that's essentially yeah. what they're doing with all this stuff. And I think the portability, like a friend of mine owns a Switch, he'll try to buy anything he can on Switch third party because he likes to take it on the go. Yeah. And that's really appealing for maybe that's probably the X factor in all of this is that, you know, these games you can take on the go compared to we have to sit well, at our console. For that doesn't play. really matter right now, does it? No. <laughs> no, we can't go well, I guess anywhere. If you're, so. if you're sharing a TV with other people you're quarantined with, I guess you. Hey, Mitch, it would be you helpful. might want to flip to a camera oh, there, bro. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Um, what else? Uh, they're also uh, releasing XCOM two for Switch, Borderlands two and one, I believe, for Switch. Um, so again, really old games. They're trying to squeeze a little bit of juice out of them. Uh, after all these years, but I think that they will find a welcome home on Switch for a lot of people who have not been buying PlayStations and Xboxes all this time. Uh, Then they got to some more exclusive stuff for Switch. Uh, They talked about DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, There's going to be two new areas added at the end of June, Uh, and it looked like a bunch of other smaller stuff as well. Matt, do you think this will convince you to pick it up again and play it some more uh it might i mean i've i've have been out of that for a long time since i got all the badges um maybe it depends what else is out then yeah i mean it is typically june is a pretty dead month in all honesty um yeah uh, so yeah, I don't actually know what's slated for there yeah so it may find a window there where people will re-engage with it um, no freaking movies to see, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, again, even more movies are getting pushed out of the year to next year. Yeah. It's uh, Entertainment's going to start drying up real fast here. So some of this stuff yeah. that doesn't Uncharted look... movie got pushed, of course, but yeah. like that was going to happen anyway because they don't even have a script yet. That wasn't coming out this year, you crazy people. What did... Yeah, some of this stuff that may sound unappealing right now, we may have a whole different perspective on it in about two months, so... We'll see oh, yeah, how that a, works. That's a good point, Vincent. End of June is Ghost of Tsushima, so yeah, I'll see you later, Pokemon. Yeah, I yeah, guess. that's not happening. <laughs> Maybe in August. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big one, and I think most people would probably agree with you there. Again, there are some people who only own Switches, though, who will play the living crap out of that DLC. Uh, also a good point from 89 Real Talk there. Uh, the, I, I think Jedi Academy is a cool thing, but actually the big Star Wars news in this direct was Podracer. Oh yeah, um, from the N sixty four racing game. That pod ra- yeah, Pod Racer is a huge childhood nostalgia hook for people who grew up with the prequels, yeah. um, and I like it too. I thought it was a good game. It was um, good. Yeah, it was hard. And, uh, I think that's a big deal, especially for people who are tired of Mario Kart. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, there aren't a lot of great racers on Switch still. I mean, honestly. So some of these games are, again, plugging holes in the software lineup. Uh, next up, Ring Fit Adventure is getting DLC. I have a feeling this game's going to get DLC for a really, really long time. Uh, this game has... It's a really natural, a natural expansion kind of platform. Yeah, I mean, if you're just looking for new workouts, you think about all these workout platforms online, it's like uh, there's that company Beachbody that makes like the Insanity and the P90X workouts. Um, I did Insanity back in like 2012, and it is insane. I'll give them that. But back then, I would pay... I had to pay like $300 for this set of DVDs. Now, like, you can't even buy that stuff. You just go to their website, and you just subscribe to it, and then they just keep giving you new workouts every day. I have a feeling that eventually Ring Fit Adventure is probably going to turn into something similar, where there's just new workouts being uploaded all the time. And it could become a very, very successful product for Nintendo. As of right now, it's sold out everywhere. It's, uh, it's been a slow burn for this game. When it came out, like, I had problems finding it, but then we saw the sales numbers for the first month, and they weren't amazing. And so I wondered, like, maybe it's going to tank. But it has stayed inside the top five, top eight ever since it launched. And so <clears throat> I have a feeling that this could end up becoming another gigantic moneymaker for Nintendo if it can get enough units out there. It seems like it's having problems manufacturing enough of the uh, workout rings. That would be my guess as to why there are shortages mm-hmm. of the game. Especially right now. Yep, exactly. So if you have a factory that's like making toys typically, and you're trying to get an extra line set up there right now, and people are calling in sick because they can't go to work. It's a problem. But I think maybe I discounted Ring Fit Adventure a little too much when I first gave it a go. Um, I did not think it would have the staying power that it has, but I was absolutely wrong. It is uh, doing very, very well for Nintendo, and I think it will continue for quite a while. Probably a fun game to play in quarantine right now. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are struggling trying to figure out how to stay in shape. I'm not, because <laughs> I don't worry about it at all. But a lot of people who are used to going to the gym every day. I mean, Mitch, you were going to the gym before all this happened. Yeah, I use the roof of my apartment now. Yeah, a lot like, of people. That's because it's the most space. Like my roommate tried to work out in our living room, and it's tiny. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how are you doing this? And you're also starting to smell. So. <laughs> oh yes, I'm like, uh, he. Well, at least he puts a towel down. Oh, that's so he's, he's always nice like that. But you know, I'm just like. You know, you can use the roof. And I, went, like, I think I will. I went out to my car the other day, and there was a woman in our garage running laps in the garage. And I was just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you can go out there and run. You're fine. Like, as long as you're not in a mosh pit, like, you're going to be okay. But it's she was literally. probably better than running by cars that might actually have it on their surfaces. I mean, to the... look, you can't, you can't live like that. But she was. Like, she was not going to leave, man. She was just doing literally, it was like. 50 feet back and forth, 50 feet back and forth. I was like, if you get to that point, it's probably just not worth it. But yeah, there's a bunch of weird stuff going on where, like, and like things like I ordered a, a, a case of paper towels like three weeks ago because I was, I knew I was running low and, I'm, and so it took a while to get them delivered, but they got delivered and I left them out there for a while because, you know, just, just I hadn't, I hadn't had time to get out there and I come out to pick them up and there it's a it's a case so it literally says you know brawny or whatever on it oh. you know it's like it's like a you know, it's the box that like is labeled yeah. like from the factory and there was someone standing outside my pedestrian gate staring at it no way like, i'm surprised I they were get, still there i'm surprised they didn't jump the fence they, they could have j- probably jumped the fence but i think they were thinking about it and i've never had a problem with packages going missing i've never had a problem with anyone trying to trespass <laughs> ever I, and i have like computer equipment delivered and and, yeah. and film equipment delivered and like Found, like brawny paper towels or the or the things that almost got snatched. And I come out and I'm like, "Can I help you?" And he's like, "Oh, sorry, wrong house." Yeah, I'm sure like, uh-huh. it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's looking for the house where the paper towels are sitting in the, on the yeah. lawn without the person coming to get them. That's the house he's looking for. It's crazy times we're living in. Uh, next up, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 got its final DLC, and it looks to be the best yet. It's called uh, Shadow of Doom, and it's kind of centered around the, fa- the Fantastic Four, and as you might guess, Doctor Doom. Um, it looks to be the most full-featured and interesting of all the DLC that's come for this so far. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah, going yeah, on I mean, with the Fantastic Four right now? Uh, the Fantastic Four will, I mean, who knows what the schedule for the movies will turn out to be uh, after all this, the, death, the dust settles here. But, like, Fantastic Four will show up in phase, uh, late Phase 4, early Phase 5, so probably, like, 2022 Okay. Uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it was funny. I one of the things I've been doing uh, has been uh, reading old video game magazines. Interesting. Uh, just in, that I have in, in like kind of backlog little, little magazine holders I have because I did collect a full run of v, VG and CE a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, Andy Eddy's old old magazine, and I re- it was a review of Captain America and the Avengers for the uh, Super Nintendo, and the reviewer. This is a, a this is this is a 1993 snapshot. The reviewer complains. That the game is about the Avengers, and couldn't it be about someone more interesting like the Fantastic Four? Mitch, you okay in there, bro? Just, just Are to, you still awake? <laughs> just to give you an idea of like how how different the landscape is now in terms of who what people think about the Avengers versus the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, to me, I think most people our age might before the MCU might have thought of Fantastic Four of the original Avengers. Really, they were kind of the bigger super group before the Avengers. Uh, but then the movies kind of flipped it on the Yeah, they're much more prominent. Because the Fantastic Four movies were not fantastic <laughs> at all. Um, no. They were pretty well, much also abysmal. The, also, the Avengers had a terrible lineup for years, most of our lifetimes. They were like, also Rans, like Captain America wasn't there, Iron Man wasn't really there much. It was, it was like a bunch of like, try hard, like it was Black Knight and like, like Tigra and like all these like weird CD listers. And uh, one of the reasons the Avengers became more popular again in the 2000s and moving forward in the movies is because they brought the original, yeah, the core cast. Maybe you got Thor and the Hulk and Captain America and, and Iron Man. Like you get get the big guys back. So, um, uh, and a lot of them are in uh, that game, that, that old Captain America and the Avengers game, but like no, no one cared about them then. Yep. Fantastic Four always was getting pushed. Fantastic Four had a cartoon series yep. uh, at the time. Like, it was always a uh, kind of prominent. Unto- and it was for years that that horrible movie was supposed to come out, but never came out. Um, the Richard, the Robert, the Richard Corman one. All right, and, yeah, I forgot uh, about that. And, event- and so, and it took this modern day of like where movies or movies determine what people think mainstream about superheroes to ruin the Fantastic Four. So well done, <laughs> uh, Sony. Another another good job. Yep. At least we don't have to see that Morbius movie till next year. Yep. Uh, and then the final element of the Nintendo Direct was uh, a special Easter event for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, some kind of a bunny-related event. I'm sure there's going to be Easter egg hunts and all that kind of crap. Um, yeah. And you can craft like, tons of bunny and, and uh, egg-related furniture and everything like and that is one of the coolest things about Animal Crossing is that how it celebrates the real world and real life. There's a big events for pretty much every holiday, your birthday, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of like games that kind of cross over that stuff. It's gotten a little bit out of hand now with so many games as a service because every holiday, every game as a service has something for it. Even if it's just like a new weapon skin or a new costume or something like that. 
Um, and I'm sure once Easter starts rolling around, we'll learn about a lot more uh, related to that particular holiday. But these things are kind of losing their sting a little bit over time, even though Animal Crossing, I would argue, was one of the first ones to really do it. So things are kind of coming back full circle. So that's the Nintendo Direct. And then there was other big news from Nintendo that broke yesterday. And then there were confirmations that went up today. Um, so Super Mario Brothers, it's hard to believe this, it is coming up on its 35th anniversary this year, uh, which mm-hmm. makes me feel very, very old, I would just add. Um, and in honor of that, Nintendo is blowing out Mario games and not the ones that you would expect. Um, you might think, oh, we're celebrating the original 2D Mario. They're going to do something with other 2D Marios. No. <laughs> Nintendo is bringing back some of the very best 3D platformers in the Mario franchise. So Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy are going to be packaged together as a collection. Um, no, I 3D World's in there, too. Was it? Or no, they're making a deluxe version of 3D World. So there's going to be a 3D yeah, World it's, deluxe. It's going to be a home fleet of Mario product this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. Cause a lot of times this stuff goes by with no comment from Nintendo, and it's annoying. Metroid. Yeah. I mean, some of these games, it's going to be huge that they're going to be in HD. I mean, yeah. Super, Super Mario 64 in HD. I mean, there's that fan-made one that looks freaking amazing. And yeah, we actually, we have Dolphin ch- and stuff, you can do that. But, like... No, it's really good. Like, and and look, you've they've done the two D ones to death. Like, you can get those things on any platform you want. Like, these games need some love, and it's about time. I also feel like with Super Mario Maker at this point, like, do you really need to re-release any old two yeah. D Mario games anymore? Yeah. Like, I just don't think you do. Yeah, we're covered on the two D. This is exactly what I want to see. Exactly what I want to see. I am freaking jacked. I am wondering though what the interest level will be for this stuff because I'll be honest with you. 3D platformers right now feel like a dead genre. I mean, unless you're a Mario 3D platformer, the market seems pretty limited at this point. And the good news is yeah, but these I think, are. I think Mario's got a magic to him. And Mario 64, everybody loves that game. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be just fine, I think. It'll be a big hit. And I think it, another thing that's going to help is, I mean, this is the big stuff for 2020 for Nintendo. Uh, if yeah. you look at its first-party lineup, there there aren't a ton of things left, like, that aren't no. released. We have Metroid Prime, bodes, obviously, but... Well, that's not this year, no way. Right, yeah. Um, but I think it also bodes well for uh, next year, which is the 35th anniversary of Zelda. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, I, I imagine that's when Breath of the Wild 2 will show up now. Yep. Um, but I, I really hope that this indicates that we might get some like solid remaster collections for the 3D era of, of Zelda. Uh, on the Switch, like because yeah. we are still missing the the HD ports uh, from the Wii U of yep. Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. I would love to see the you know the 3D remakes for the from the 3DS of Ocarina and Majora's Mask get like a Switch up up res treatment. Um, there's a whole lot you could do. You could find a way to make the uh, the Skyward Sword work. You could really get a nice Zelda collection of the more latter day stuff on the Switch and make that feel like a a go to place for the entire Zelda series. I'm just excited for a lot of people to really get to play Super Mario 64. I think no, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people know that it's this classic game that you know broke down all these barriers and kind of set the modern uh, 3D action game into motion. I think everyone gets that, but I don't think most people have actually taken the time to go back and play it. And that's because either you had to find an old N64 and dust it off, or you had to like have a handheld. And if you didn't 
do either of those. Or you, or you bought it on the Wii. Like they had, they had the virtual console version. That's right. Uh, or you're, you're a speedrunner and you're playing it on an emulator. Right, right. Um, but uh, it, again, all this stuff is just would be nice to have on a a popular system. You know, after the Wii U, uh, kind of tank that, and just accessible. You know, it's it's yeah. And Mario sixty four. I did like the idea of having a portable Mario sixty four on the DS, but I never found the controls on that to be adequate. I couldn't do it, uh, and I played the living just, crap out of Super Mario sixty four. And I could, I literally played probably to like twenty stars on a handheld. And I was like, I this is. I just felt like I was fighting against it the whole time I played it. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, this to me is a big, big deal. I think a lot of people probably look at this game and like it looks so simple, and it's like it is, but. I think that's what makes it brilliant still to this day. It has just kind of simmered down the essence of Mario Brothers into a 3D game. And as time went on, they became more complicated, and sure, they looked better. They probably played a little bit better, although I'm not sure about that, because this game's controls are, like, sublime. But I think people getting a chance to play it instead of just watching a trailer of it and being like, what the hell are people talking about? I think a lot of people are going to get why this game is considered one of the best of all time. So I'm really excited for more people to be able to access that game. And what also helps it is, you know, we had Odyssey come out a couple years ago. Yeah. And that sold really well. So it probably showed confidence that a 3D Mario game releasing the old stuff again can be doable. Well, that's what I said. I said everything except for Mario. Like, no one can sell anything, but if you're a Mario 3D platformer, you can. So these will do okay, but... The genre in general has really just, it's gone. It doesn't exist. Ukulele tried to revive it. No one really seemed to care. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We need Sly Cooper back. Yep. I do appreciate that they're going to bundle those three games into one package instead of making people buy them separately. I mean, literally, this game could could sell millions and millions of copies. Could you argue Crash Bandicoot bucks that trend? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's... It looks like a 3D platformer, but it's mostly a 2D platformer. Yeah, it's a th- I mean, it's 3D, technically, um, and it's from that same era. Spyro, yeah. the collection, also yeah. the same kind of thing. True. Like, it feels like that 3D platformer thing, it's kind of a dead genre as far as new games go, but there's a nostalgia hook for things that were 20, 25 years old that, like, does seem to catch properly. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think dipping into the vault is the way to get the 3D platformer to sell. Like, making a new one doesn't seem to work. Yep. Okay, so that's it. Big week for Nintendo. What's your uh, takeaway from all the stuff we just discussed, Matt? What's going on with Nintendo and Switch? Um, uh, to, to me, it the, as far as the, the Direct goes, it feels a little bit like they're stalling. Yep. Um, because there's a lot of ports and a lot of stuff that's sort of like, hey, look, it's, look over here. You know, like, don't think about the fact that there's nothing coming. We don't have anything announced for the fall yet. Um, cause we're probably going to do that in June. Uh, I mean, obviously the Mario stuff is rumor. Um, but it seems, it seems to be coming from so many different sources that it's, you know, smoke, there must be fire. Kind it's, of thing. Conf- it's confirmed by uh, Eurogamer. Um, and yeah. they, like they usually, don't, they don't vet, go in. They vet uh, yeah. pretty hard. So I'm, is a pretty so trustworthy source. New paper Mario. Awesome. Um, oh yeah. We didn't even I bring that like, up actually. I feel like that series has kind of gone off the rails the last couple of entries. And if this one can, as they say, is going to be more of a throwback to the early stuff awesome like that's exactly yeah. how you need to get that series back on track yep and that could be a big game for the fall if yeah. if they do no indeed kind of take it back to its roots um and kind of ditch the more action-oriented stuff we've got with the last couple entries that has really turned fans off to be honest with you so yeah sticker star was just kryptonite to me like i just did not 
like that at Most all. Most people didn't, and that's so maybe Nintendo I, finally got at the some message. Point it, at some point, I kind of switched over to the Mario and Luigi games for my similar RPG fix Superstar from the, from the Saga. Mario stuff. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, th- I thought that was really sad. Like, I really liked the first few uh, Paper Marios. Yep. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about GameStop. Uh, I think a lot of people have been discussing how companies and corporations right now are at an inflection point and how they act and how they treat their consumers and how they treat their employees is something that is going to stick with them for a long, long time to, get to come. People are always going to say, remember when company X, Y, or Z did this during the coronavirus outbreak? And it could be good or bad. It could be like, oh, remember this company paid all their employees for three months and they didn't work for three months and got paid by the company. Or it's going to be, hey, this company, like today, I don't know if you heard about the stuff with Amazon where a worker stood up and was like, hey, this isn't safe. And they fired him today. And already the DOJ is looking into Amazon like, yo, you can't do that. So yeah. you're, you're going to get these different perspectives. Also, Jeff Bezos could pay everybody double time for this entire yeah. crisis and not notice the difference in his bank account. Oh, I know. I so know. it's complete not. Remember that when the Black Death happened, that almost that pretty much ended feudalism. That changed yeah. like buying power and how people viewed workers and how people viewed who was important to the economic system. Like, like pandemics change societies. Yep. So keep an eye on some of this stuff. It's going to be your living history here in multiple ways. Yep. And so all these companies are being judged right now. And it's not that they're being unfairly judged. People are looking at what they're doing during a time <laughs> of crisis. And they're saying, this is your true corporate culture that we're seeing right now. There's no more <laughs> and subterfuge. And who could have guessed that GameStop wouldn't come out of that <laughs> looking good? And so what I was getting at is that if there's a company that has fumbled this worse than any other, it is GameStop. Um, we discussed last week about how GameStop had been trying to declare itself essential retail in order to stay open. And that ploy did not work out. Local municipalities went to GameStops so and were like, no, bro, you're not essential <laughs> retail. You need to close like everyone else. GameStop was trying to say that, well, mm-hmm. we sell mouses and keyboards that people need to work from home. That was the angle that GameStop was taking with it. Which, I'll, uh-huh. I'll give them this, like, if there was one <laughs> angle they could work, that's it. Still didn't work. And so yeah. you figure, okay, GameStop, with all the backlash they got for that, they're going to get it now. They're going to realize how important this is and how it is indeed an inflection point for a lot of big companies and corporations. But no. No, GameStop could not learn its lesson. So it did not technically shut down its stores. What it did was it moved to curbside pickup. So you buy the game online, you select curbside pickup. When you buy it, you select the store that you want to pick it up from. You drive up, you wait outside, and then they come out and they bring you the game. Fine. I think most people would be okay with that. But as it turns out... GameStop was not supplying its employees still, after all of this, with the proper protective gear to do the curbside pickup. They did not have medical gloves to interact with the customers. And look, customers handing you your credit card. You have no idea where that credit card can. That credit card could have been used to cut up cocaine the night before. Like, you literally have no idea where. Instead of giving them gloves, GameStop tells its employees to use a plastic shopping bag to exchange the games and the credit cards. So what they were doing was they'd take the card with the bag, they'd go inside, they'd run the credit card, then they'd put the game in that same bag and then take it out and hand it to the customer. 
And GameStop's employees were like, what the heck is going on? Like, this isn't safe. This doesn't make any sense. Um, So once again, in a time of crisis, GameStop has turned into a joke. Um, On top of that, GameStop announced this week it's going to close another 300 stores this year, 300 plus. And then it that's after closing 321 stores last year. So in the course of 24 months, two years, they're going to close 600 stores. Now I should mention, currently GameStop has 5,500 stores. So when you hear 600 stores, that sounds like a lot until you realize just how big GameStop is. Um, and then somehow also GameStop managed to turn a profit last year in the fourth quarter, which, oh. <laughs> which Funko is... Funko Pop sell. I guess so. I mean, I guess at Christmas people buy a lot of that stuff. So anyway... Yeah, well, I felt like they were trying to stay a lot, stay open here just long enough for Doom and Animal Crossing to, to release. That seems like, like what I, it was. I thought that was what they were trying to do. And they kind of succeeded at that. <laughs> yeah, they, they made it. They made it, but did they? So that's the question. Did they really make it? Or... Is the company's reputation so sullied at this point that there's no coming back? Or was there no coming back a long time ago? I mean, I don't think there was coming back a long time. I mean, can you sully that reputation any further? I mean, I <laughs> guess there's, there's, the, the bottom of the barrel always turns out to be a false bottom with this company and a whole lot of other companies. But, um, I mean, it's just going to be a slow slide down, I think, for the most part, as digital becomes more prominent and people realize that you don't need that the GameStop model um, and there are better ways to get the GameStop model um, without having to go to GameStop. Uh, and I got I gotta say, there was a, there's a GameStop down Wilshire near near where I live, and they it opened like two years ago. And I was like, why is a new GameStop opening here when there's <laughs> another one like just up La Brea, like in West Hollywood? There's no reason to go to this. And sure enough, they started closing like a week or a week and a half before all the quarantine stuff came down. You know, huge liquidation, like, you know, 80% off, everybody coming to, and of course they closed down, they closed, yeah, everything, they got, obviously when the, when the, when the, when the shutdown happened, like basically that was the end of that going out of business sale, and I, that was, so that was like a week ago, I drove past there yesterday, the sign is gone, like the, <laughs> they're the, gone, the building <laughs> they're not coming like, back, like, You'd think everyone's busy, like, doing essential stuff right now. Someone decided it was essential to have workers come out and rip the GameStop sign off that building because that building is blank now with a four-lease sign up. They desperately wanted that thing out of there. Yeah. Um, can, is GameStop going to survive this? This? Yeah. Will it survive much the next generation? I don't know about that. It's going to be a long, slow... Like you say, they're huge. It's going to be a long, slow slide into irrelevance and it's going to take them a very long time to realize that that has happened um so i I mean i don't know if reggie can save him on this one do you think that stuff like this has that large of an impact on a company's reputation and ultimately its success or failure do you think most people are ever even going to know that gamestop has been up to this crap i mean probably not although i think like I think their reputation among the people that would consider being customers of theirs was already in tatters as it was. This just is another, you know, you're just shoveling another pile of shit on the truck at this point. Um, it's a big pile. It's a, it's a very significant shovelful, but it's still just more evidence on the giant mountain of reasons not to deal with this company. Uh, the, also, the thing is, like, this company is so easy to ignore that, like, 
it could have a stronger influence than, say, as irritated as I am by how Amazon's treating its employees. Amazon is sort of a necessity to a lot of people's daily lives, in at least in first world countries. Um, and it's hard to give that up, when, especially when it's probably smarter to have stuff delivered at this point. Um, so it's like, yeah, I can say how much I hate that, but at the same time, who else is going to get me this stuff in a timely and safe manner? Um, in terms of contamination without having to go out into stores with a bunch of other people who may or may not be taking this stuff seriously. Right. Um, GameStop is completely ignorable. Like, I haven't been in a game... I think the last time I walked into a GameStop and bought anything was to get the exclusive Starlink ship after we did that show <laughs> about Starlink. Like, it was... that, Which was, what, two years ago almost? I think for me it was PlayStation VR was the last time I went to a GameStop. No, over the holidays, I did walk into one. Like while I was Christmas shopping for like mm-hmm. nieces and nephews, I didn't end up buying anything. But I am someone who does prefer physical media. I know I'm a dinosaur. I know I'm probably in the minority at this point. Um, but I do like to buy physical stuff still, physical games. And thinking about, I don't know if you're in the minority yet, but I think it's by close. the end of this coming generation, you will be. It's close. Like it's at least fifty-fifty or very close to it at this point. And so I'm starting to think about if GameStop didn't exist. Where would you be able to buy physical games? So there's Best Buy that's left as a big box store. There's Target. There's Walmart. Yeah, that was going to be my argument to that's you, like Shane, it. because uh, <laughs> where I lived in Minnesota, there isn't very many options. Yeah. GameStop is your only option sometimes as yep. a place to buy video games. I think that that what about one, Walmart? Yeah, Walmart, well, Target. Well, uh, we had one Best Walmart, Buy. and sometimes they do not have the game when it comes out that day like GameStop does. Uh-huh. Sometimes they mm-hmm. don't have it. I don't know why. It, I think they pick and choose what they, what they release with, but... I think that one is the thing that might hold on GameStop a little longer, and then two new generation of hardware is coming out, so that exchange rate might happen at a higher rate this time. So they will have more in the store. <clears throat> People might buy last generation hardware a little bit more to bring in that revenue for them, but that's probably the only thing to hold them off. The problem with GameStop is that the profit margins for everything it sells is they're so minuscule. Hardware, there is le- there's like no profit margin. So them selling the new consoles, that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that they're going to do that. They're going to be there to do that. They're not going to make a lot of money off of it as far as profit is concerned. Even the games, you know, they're making 8 to $10 off of each game that they sell. They're just in a really bad business to make a lot of money. And it, uh, the bigger box stores can afford it because they're selling other items that have gigantic margins. And, you know, they get people in the door because they want to buy Halo Infinite, and then they try to get you to buy a bunch of other crap that has higher profit margins while you're there. GameStop can't really do that, but that's why you've seen GameStop try to diversify what's in its stores. That's why you're seeing them sell a lot more swag, a lot of Funko Pops and stuff like that, because you can actually make a profit on that stuff. Um, I don't know. Um, to me, Walmart, Target, Best Buy, they're good enough. Um, most of those stores do have stuff day and date. Walmart a lot of times is open 24 hours and you can walk in and buy the stuff like right at midnight. Um, the one thing I don't like is how if you do have big launches now, if you have less stores, less retail spaces to get those launch products, it's going to be a huge CF because instead of these lines being spread out all across all these different stores, now they're going to be consolidated into one. And maybe it's good for the industry to have you know, 5,000 people outside of, like, a Best Buy. Um, as a consumer, that's not something I really look forward to anymore. 
Um, I just, it's hard to understand. So if GameStop's gone, it's hard for me to see another chain coming in and taking their place. Like, I really feel like it may be the end of the dedicated video game retailer, minus, like, the Ma and Pa stores. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it seems pretty likely, and more and more people are just going to shift to digital, and it's... It's uh, especially as you you continue to go down this path of like, what good is the disc to you anymore yeah. when things are so updated all the time and change completely once in a? I mean, what? Why in the world did anyone buy? I mean, you could stop this sentence after the next word, but why did anyone buy Anthem on disc? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: there are times where I feel burned by have, having bought a physical copy of something because. I have to every time I want to play it, I have to go and dig up the disc and put it into my console to play it. Whereas if I have a digital version, you never have to do that. So mm. there is actually some inconvenience with owning the physical version now, which is a little weird. Yeah. But I I just don't think you need GameStop for that. I think you yeah. can have that sort of you can have that on Amazon. You can have it on eBay. Best Buy takes used stuff now. Like Walmart takes used stuff. I think like. I, I just don't see the like GameStop used to have stuff the market cornered on that kind of trade, especially after they forced you know they merged with Funko Land and EB and Babbage's and software et cetera and basically became a monolith. It forced out all the mom and pop shops, but like I just don't think you need that anymore because the big box stores have sort of moved in on that and you can get get effectively the same deal without having to deal with this annoying company anymore. Um, I don't traffic in physical games anymore except for certain collector's edition. Like, I will get the collector's edition of Xenoblade Chronicles. But, like, um, I, I, have, I have found it's more convenient and, and simpler to just cut the middleman out on that. And should the day come when you can no longer bring your games forward with you digitally, I guess I've screwed myself. But at the same time... Um, I don't see that happening, Matt. I really don't. Yeah, yeah, I think you're good. I think you'll be all right. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about BioWare. It's been a while since we've really heard anything from this studio, and maybe for good reason, because its reputation also has kind of taken a hit over the last half decade. I don't think people still consider it to be like a top five developer in the industry like a lot of people used to, to feel about BioWare. Um, but we're starting to see some rays of hope from the studio. Um, a listing was listed on EA's job hiring site looking for basically a lead developer for a, a, a Bioware game based on one of its fan favorite IP. So it, a lot of people are trying to figure out what the game might be. Uh, I think most people have decided at this point that it's probably a new Mass Effect game. Um, I would leave the door open that Dragon Age 4 could just be going into full production, and perhaps maybe that's what they're talking about. That That is that. Dragon Age is in production. I mean, it could be that. The other possibility is to some kind of like consultant team for KOTOR. Ah, um, interesting. Presum- presumably there would be, you know, uh, Bioware is not making the new KOTOR under, that's been rumored, but presumably there would be sort of a contact team as, a, as sort of a, an advisory capacity. Um, in the same way that, like, the Horizon Zero, like, Guerrilla Games had people working on Death Stranding uh, in some kind of capacity because they had experience with the engine and such. Yeah. Um, that could be it. I mean, because otherwise you're really just talking about Dragon Age or Mass Effect. Um, or on some like, kind of weird outside curveball Neverwinter Nights. But yeah. I feel like the, that the, would be like a the curveball, D&D's, <laughs> for sure. The D&D stuff has gone a different direction, and I don't think it's involved with them anymore because of the EA situation. Um 
like really that's it unless you want to stretch the truth and say Jade Empire was a fan favorite. I don't I don't know if that really I don't even flies. know. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know if it was a fan favorite, Matt. <laughs> I don't think it was. I think it was a favorite I, I of ours. I think there are certain people that like. I didn't Jade like that game at all. Oh, you didn't like I, it? Okay. I, no, I, I didn't. I barely got three hours into it. I thought it was terrible. I think a lot of people didn't uh, like it. Yeah. So I think the chances of that are slim to like zero. To be perfectly yeah. honest, I don't see so, that happening. But personally, I, think, I hope it, I hope they're talking about Dragon Age because I would prefer that they just leave Mass Effect alone, except to do a remaster of the trilogy. So that brings up a good question: What? What happens to Mass Effect? Is it uh, done? It goes away. Like they're done. It's done. As far as I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Mass Effect is the story of, of Shepard, and it's over. I don't think Mass Effect Andromeda should even have been made. I think Mass Effect Andromeda. I guess I should say Mass Effect Andromeda could have been made, but it should have been called something else. Yeah, could have been a new IP. A new IP. Or Mass yeah. Effect should have been not Andromeda, but do something different with the franchise, but not exactly what they were trying to do there. Because what the elements they were trying to play with didn't work. No, well, I thought they. Well, also they took out too much of what they what made Mass Effect interesting. What made Mass Effect Mass Effect? Like you, you got rid of sixty percent of the alien races that made the Mass Effect world Mass Effect. Like because like they they their colony ships hadn't arrived yet or whatever, and I'm I'm just stuck with a bunch of Turians and and uh, and the new race was ter- what I thought was uninteresting. It was just sort of a bunch of Klingons. Yeah, it was only one uh, race too. Yeah, there was nothing to find in that new galaxy that re- managed to fill in the world in comparison to what we lost by leaving so much behind. Um, and maybe that would have gotten better as the you know planned trilogy developed, but you didn't get to make that planned trilogy. So it's almost like instead of making an entire game that that feels like an act one, you should like you know throw throw the kitchen sink in to make the first game you know good. And I think that's a lesson that way too many games have not learned this generation. Do you think Andromeda would have been better received if it was just called Andromeda and not called yes. Mass Effect Andromeda? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I still I do don't too. think I would have liked it a whole lot, but I do think if you had not had the Mass Effect expectations placed on it, it would have been met with a lot more forgiveness. I, I would not, definitely agree not, with that. Not in the way it launched, because it was Broken. clearly launched underbaked. Yeah. But if you, also, if you were not trying to launch it as a Mass Effect game, maybe you wouldn't have had so much pressure internally to get the thing out when it came out. and you would, It wouldn't have mattered so much to follow up on the hotness of Mass Effect, and you could have been able to justify the idea of like letting... You know, it's a new IP. It's got to make a first impression, so let it bake fully. I would also say Mass Effect fans are some of the most rabid gaming fans in the, in the industry. Well, it doesn't yeah. help. Or at least they the used one, to be. Yeah. Well, it doesn't <laughs> help because the third one was so controversial with the ending. Yeah, I, 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 that one changed my perspective on viewing video game companies and having them almost, in a sense, change an ending of a game because of so much hate was really interesting to watch. It's really stupid, if you ask me. Oh, I've, I I've been on I record think, for a long time I, about I think this. It was, I think it was a bad call. Absolutely. I think it's their story to tell. It's not for us to tell them how it should finish. But to see how much of an impact that actually made in college, I was extremely surprised by that. I also think that when they did that, that it gave their fans license to then trash Andromeda. Because then they realize, okay, if you change the ending of Mass Effect 3 because I whined on the internet, I can get you guys to do anything. So if I can rail on Andromeda hard enough, I can probably get you to change it into what I want it to be instead of what you guys envisioned it to be. It was just a well, really dangerous and right. dumb precedent to set, I, I think. I, well, I, I disagree with that on two fronts. First, I think Mass Effect 3 is fine. I agree. Um, I didn't say it was but, bad. But the change they made to the ending is a big improvement. Like, 
the ending, that what they did to change the ending, um, I mean, they still made it just pick three colors. You know, they didn't change that part really, yeah. but they added more of an aftermath and got into like what happened with all the characters in the in the in in the the epilogue that they added. That was a big improvement in what it should have been in the first place. So while I don't agree that because they didn't change the ending in the sense that like they changed the 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 try the you know the triple choice you had to make at the end with the kid on the space station. Yeah, or uh, what happens? Which ultimately. people were complaining. Yeah. yeah, it still turns out the same way. They just go into a little more detail about what happens. With all these characters you care about because the reason Mass Effect has a hook is because you care about all these characters, and they didn't address that properly. And then later on, they put out the uh, the Citadel DLC, which is really the best Mass Effect thing ever. That that Citadel DLC is the real goodbye to all these characters you love um and then the second part of that is as someone who is fine with mass effect and more or less fine with the ending of mass effect 3 um because i think all of mass effect 3 is the ending like mass effect 3 is one long ending yeah and just the very very tip at the end it's like oh that could have been a little better but it's fine um but then i yeah i hate mass effect andromeda like i i think andromeda is a terrible game and uh and i i don't so, I, you know, I don't agree with being entitled enough to sort of like yell until you think they're going to change Andromeda because they didn't. You can't revamp Andromeda that hard because they just reskin Dragon Age Inquisition. And there's only so much you can do with it. Um, but it was launched in an incredibly broken state, and they did deserve to get roasted for it. Uh, maybe not as harshly as they did. And they were sending death threats to people and all that crap. That's just sort of like what kind of online that's par for the course <laughs> become. But uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was a was a terrible misstep on just every about every level. And uh, Mitch is right. Like coming off the off the the heels of how uh, you know a good chunk of the fan base reacted to mass effect 3 it was redemption time for a good chunk of the fan base and they they there was a swing and a miss in an amazing way well and i think um, the blame should be but, not at bioware it should be at ea because oh, clearly they, they forced their hand to release this early when it was clearly not ready yep yeah, and they spread them too thin, and they gave the project to a, a team that had never made anything like that before. And like it was, it was a management failure from the top down, without any question. Yeah, some great um, articles written course, about that whole management, thing. Management isn't the one who suffers for it, are they? Because Montreal is the one that got shut down. Yep, yep. Um, so, are we all in agreement that this is probably a Mass Effect game, though, that they're talking about? I don't know. I mean, it might be the Mass Effect remasters. Um, that would be interesting, because they keep saying, they keep teasing stuff about like, oh, there's something coming that you're gonna like in terms of the remaster stuff. EA been doing that since the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, and it would be, you know, it's certainly at the point where they're, they're they need uh, um, content. It would be silly not. <coughs> oh, sorry. Glad you're not here, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> That's a sneeze, not a cough. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm kidding, obviously. But, uh, I wish you were here. Uh, I, I think it would probably be a Mass Effect game of some kind. I still feel as if EA still understands they have a hot property on their hands, even if with this massive blow-up they had with Andromeda, I think if I think they understand the fan base will be behind them if they can bring back its dominance again. Even with a remaster sort of, or remake would be good. I think this is more likely Dragon Age. I think I think they are staffing up in all hands on decking Dragon Age four because they have got to get that game finished. Yep, that's what I thought too. But it seems like I'm in the minority. Most people seem to think it's uh, Mass Effect, but I think that's wishful thinking. I think the other thing too is if it were I don't Mass even know Effect, if I call it wishful thinking. <laughs> so I don't even know if I call it wishful thinking because I don't want them to mess with Mass Effect anymore. Like stop. Like the other thing too it. is if it is indeed Mass Effect, we're talking about something we're not going to see for another like five years. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's more likely. It's Dragon Age 4. They're just ramping it up. 
Uh, they're getting to the point now where if they were making the game at Ubisoft, all the other studios would start getting involved in the game's development, yeah. and I think they need someone to kind of corral all that stuff. So, and, and some poor PA would have to start compiling the 30-minute credit roll now <laughs> for the 2021 yeah. release. Yep. So I've I look I have not lost all faith or hope in BioWare. Um, I do believe there are still some talented people there, uh, and I hope EA has learned its lesson with how it handles BioWare and it does things differently going forward. Because in all honesty, that is the only way its reputation is going to be rescued. That's what I would say. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about another depressing topic, which is yeah. it appears that uh, Gamescom is going to be canceled. Uh, they haven't canceled it yet, uh, but they've already announced that they're going to be doing big digital initiatives, bigger than ever before, around Gamescom 2020. Gamescom goes down in August of every year. Uh, so if you look at where we're at right now, April, May, G- we're like six months away still from the date for Gamescom, but we're not six months away from people having to book flights and book hotels and for the publishers mm-hmm. to start getting their booths built and start worrying about the logistics of the show. All that stuff is going down right now, which is why you saw E3 pull the plug so early because it realized all this stuff's going to be put on hold and the logistical end of it just isn't going to happen. And I yeah. think and Gamescom, anything that involves international travel is going to take longer to come back to normal. Like, the, you, you, there's a good chance that by the end of May, by the end of June, we're going to be kind of seeing most of the end of a lot of the really hard stay-at-home lockdown stuff. Yeah. But stay, uh, international travel is still going to be have to be very closely monitored until there's a vaccine available. And that could be August next year at the earliest. And um, on top of that, you, you don't know how reticent people are going to be to fly in general. I mean, it, remember what happened. Or in go to a building with like 200,000 right. people all jammed remember together. Remember the aftermath of 9-11 where people just wouldn't travel because yeah. um, they're afraid of, of terrorism. And this is a much more present danger than being one of the one out of three million flights that actually has a terrorist on board. Um, I remember after the December after 9/11, I took my girlfriend to Disneyland because uh, for uh, around Christmas, and there was no one on the plane. Yeah, like you wouldn't believe it. I now. had to. Like, I was like, on the East Coast when 9/11 happened, and I literally flew back like two days after 9/11, and it was me and three other people on the plane <laughs> flying back to California. It was the one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. But the I think the bigger question is, when are people going to be okay with being around? 200,000 other people. Have you seen the crowd shots from Gamescom? It's crazy. It's like a mosh pit of 200,000 people. And I would, I hate to say this, but I'll be honest, as someone who's gone to a lot of these conventions, hygiene isn't always the first concern for a lot of these people. So that's for sure. I mean, let's be honest. That is Gamescom is one of the last places I would want to go. Even, Five months, because here's what's going to happen. We're going to get the all clear and the go back to your normal lives thing. That virus is still going to be going around. So until that vaccine is out there and God knows when that's going to happen, it's a risk still. Like it's the risk will be lower. Your chances of getting it will be lower. But then as you start to let your guard down and you start going around large groups of people again, the risk goes right back up because all it takes is one. All it takes is one person at Gamescom to have the virus, to infect literally. It, I mean, if you really look at it, that one person could end up infecting like 200,000 people, not just the people at the show, 
those people go home and and they get their mm. their wife sick or their husband sick or their brother sick or whatever and then the brother gets his friends it's it i don't know i just don't know when i see people feeling comfortable enough to start going to major conventions again i just don't it'd be probably it'd be closer to 2 years from now um, because you're, you need the you need the vaccine in place. You need the vaccine to be widely distributed. You're talking about 18 months minimum for vaccine with testing. That's a August 2021, um, and then everybody has to get it, and then everybody has to feel comfortable again. Yeah. Um, which is a hard thing to do. Like you're you're looking you're talking about something that is going to leave a psychic wound on the species. Like yeah, you're right. That you're no one is going to be the same after that. Like, and like it's going to talk. It's going to infect how we think. Not infect, but it's going to impact how we think about interaction. Like handshakes might go away for a while. Oh yeah, uh, just in general. Um, I I saw an amazing tweet today where some a guy was talking about being at home, working at home, and his five year old got angry because he said he had to go. He had to do work today and. His five-year-old's crap he did yesterday, and he's like, "I have to work today. It's Monday." And his five-year-old yells at him, "Monday isn't a real thing." <laughs> and he's like, and "I'm just still sitting here with that." And I'm like, "I'm like, that's uh, that's amazing. Like that's it. Like that's that. You know, and Daddy doesn't have time for the five-year-old kid's metaphysics right now because he does have to earn a salary. But it could change how we look at that. It could change how we look at large gatherings. It could change how we look about it, how we how we work in general. Um, it's." It's going to have this impact that is going to make it very hard. I mean, look, 20 years after 9-11, and we're still, like, okay with taking our goddamn shoes off because one guy tried to do a shoe bomb once. Yeah, I know. It, you know, like, yep. you know, people are afraid of these things they can't control and these invisible threats, and it's going to be a very long time before a mass number of people are willing to do something like Comic-Con or Gamescom again, and that's just... I think that's just human nature. And, I mean, well, you start extrapolating that out. I, a lot of my friends are DJs, and that is how they make their living. It's what they've been doing for 30 years. It's the only thing they can do. They're my age. They're not, like, 21-year-old kids who can be like, oh, that sucks. I'll just learn this instead and start a, and do a career in this. Like, that's – when you get to a certain age, it's very hard to pivot like that. So I have friends who, you know – their living depends on people feeling comfortable around thousands of other people. And they're all pretty much at the point where they, they're just like, it may be over, you know? Like, and I have friends who throw big music festivals with literally 200,000 people. I mean, that whole industry may be gone. It's just yeah, until I mean, the It won't be gone forever, but it'll be gone for a while. I mean, I mean again, people are not going to feel comfortable until there's a vaccine, until they know that if they were to get it, that they could get something and they're not going to die. Well, and that's why these steps right now, the, pre the preventive steps are so important because, you know, what you're slightly talking about, Shane, is a second hump is what they call it, is, you know, when people think they're comfortable and they start going out again and re-socializing, then the virus may pop up again and have a second mm -hmm. hump. It may not be as big, but it will be there. And so yeah. it's all about that the is preventive what will and just how soon is that second hub going to appear and how significant will it be will decide when how people will be comfortable when it comes to socializing again i guess well, what the, i'm getting the way at it's is probably going to roll is like you're going to have i don't know if anyone's going to actually sound at all clear i don't know if anyone's going to take responsibility for doing that it'll be probably more piece by piece governor by governor or something like that or yeah. maybe even city by city but like there will be huge parties and everybody will ah we're free da 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 da, da and then a, a second spike will happen and it will have to re 
put back the, the shelter at home order. And after that, people will be paranoid about it for the remainder of the time until the vaccine can be proven effective. I think what I'm getting at is right now we're discussing Gamescom 2020 and E3 2020 and Comic-Con 2020. And I don't even think that we should be discussing those anymore. I think the real discussion is E3 2021, Gamescom 2021, Comic-Con 2021. Are those going to happen? You know, that to I me. I don't know. I mean, these I are, think it's a little optimistic to think that the Olympics are going to happen in 2021. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I, I wouldn't count on anything right now. And, you know, a show like Gamescom, they make all their money from ticket sales, people coming, because, you know, the general public can go there. Are they going to go? Hell no, they're not. So I think, you know, discussion over stuff like this happening or not happening this year, I just think it's a moot point. I just don't see it. Even, like, sporting stuff like NHL and NBA, NFL, like, I think the only way they're going to be able to restart those things is if they play in empty arenas. Like, I just don't see... 20,000 people feeling comfortable enough to go mm. into an arena and watch a sporting event or, or 80,000 people or in a football stadium. I just don't. Yeah. So what what could... is life like for you as a giant sports fan to have no sports? Um, well, it's not like is it weird. It, yeah, it's very weird. It, it doesn't bother me that much because I have so many other things that I'm interested in. Um, so it does suck. Like, you know, right now the NHL playoffs would be just about to get started. Um, and, you know, I, I love that. You know, hockey's my favorite sport. And, you know, the Penguins probably would have made the playoffs, and I'd be gearing up for that. But, you know, I have so much other stuff that I enjoy. Like, since I launched Sifted, I haven't really been able to, like, DJ or produce music much. Um, so, you know, I'm never bored. Ever. I cannot remember the last time I was bored. As soon as I finish something, I have 20 I, I'd other things. I'd love to be bored again. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I have so many interests that take up so much time, and I don't really have time to do them anymore because of Sifted. So if I were to have any downtime, and I haven't since this all happened, it's actually been crazier because Mitch has got here, and we've been doing more content and outputting more. I'm working more than ever. So it's been a good distraction, I think. Um, I think if I if we hadn't kind of done Sifted 2.0, we hadn't kind of shifted gears and been doing a lot more stuff, then maybe it would bother me more than it has now. But honestly, I just don't even have time to think about it. I do feel bad. Like, I'll flip on ESPN at night, and I'm just like, y'all are screwed. They're screwed. Hmm. Like, there's nothing they can do. Like, yeah, they have the a whole th- business built on something that's probably not going to exist for the next, like, 18 months. Time well, to triple down that- on the marble racing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only thing that's really helping them keep existing is the NFL is still going. Like, I think they spent four hours on free agency, yeah. and they never would spend, they maybe would have spent two. It's but not, not enough. Four. That's not enough, not enough to float a whole no, network. Absolutely. And I think even there's the threat of baseball being canceled because oh, it is going to be canceled. It, like, yeah. I would not be surprised if oh, it's yeah. canceled because playoffs are in the fall. And yeah. so you can't have a like one month Probably season. Probably not going to be an NFL season. No, I really don't think there will be. If they do, it'll be they'll play the games in empty stadiums. And they may very well do that because yeah, the NFL yeah. in particular it's Too does, much money not to. Well, the thing with the NFL is it doesn't really make any money off of ticket sales. The NHL yeah. lives or dies based on how many people come to the games live. The NBA, to a lesser extent, but still a big deal. The NFL, the money that they make from ticket sales is nothing. They make all their money from their TV deals. So if they can figure out a way to still have their games on TV, but people can't go to them, they will absolutely do it because that's where all the money comes from. Also, this year's Game Awards is just going to be Jeff Keighley sitting next to a Yule Log listing winners. I mean, it might be. 
Honestly, like it may be. Yeah. Remember the one year? Didn't we do like G four in a basement or something? <laughs> like no, the VGAs were in a basement the yeah, last. Yeah, the year. VGX, like the one yeah. first year after Spike. Like it was just like in a basement, and Joel McHale showed up and said everything sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what we're looking at for events going forward. In or Alaska. even something like uh, the iHeart Music Awards were supposed to be out, and instead they did at home performances where artists would basically video phone a performance instead of doing it live on the stage that could be something maybe the game Mm -hmm. awards might start looking into in regards to awarding the winners they would let them know ahead of time and then they could do that interviewer exception of the award on skype yep they're gonna have to get creative that's all there is everyone is we're gonna have to starting with next week we're gonna have to get creative in how we keep doing game face and it's just the way it is, you know? I'm not moaning or whining about it because everyone's in the same boat. We all just have to roll with the punches and figure out a way to make so, it happen. Some it's a good thing we've had crazier like than others. 15 years of, it's a good thing we've had 15 years of low-budget low, low internet production stuff to get us ready for what entertainment's going to be now. <laughs> it's true. That's all YouTube was this whole time. It was just preparing us for our, our, our isolated future. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. And right now, Gamescom isn't technically canceled, but do not buy flights to Germany. Do not book a hotel room. I don't think there is any way in hell that Gamescom 2020 is going to happen. All right, let's move on. Maybe don't buy stock in airlines while you're at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, you wait another four or five months, maybe you just buy stock in everything because it's eventually all going to shoot right back. This is how... The rich get richer. This is it right here. This is how the rich get richer in America. (laughs) Because when everyone's down and out, average people like us, we can't afford to just dump $5 million into buying stock. But that's what the rich people do. They wait till the market crashes and we're all screwed. They buy a shit ton of property when it's bottomed out. They buy a shit ton of stock when it's bottomed out. And when it all inevitably goes back up, they get more rich, and we're still scrambling trying to buy our first home. It, it's, it's capitalism. That's the way it works. So no easy answer. It's going to be interesting to watch how this all shakes out. All right, let's talk next about a game that was rumored for like a week, and then it came out like within a week, and that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. Uh, the first... I found out about this this morning. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that it came out already like what what where did how what happened so like a week ago a listing appeared i think it was on the korea ratings board website the esrb site for korea um and leaks have come from that ratings board site before that have all been legit so people were like man like stuff just doesn't pop up there and then it's a lie and it's fake and so people at that point were like yeah it's happening nobody thought that we it would be coming out today So, by the way, it is available right now. Announced officially this morning and launched officially this morning. A complete 4K rework of the campaign of Modern Warfare 2. There's no multiplayer. It is just a campaign. Um, But it runs in 4K. It's only available for PlayStation 4 today. Um, But it is coming later to Xbox One and PC. But once again... Timed exclusive for Sony on a big Call of Duty product. Um, I know the last Pactor Factory is talking about how, you know, third-party exclusives aren't going to be a thing next gen. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Um, Because Sony, for all intents and purposes, does have the exclusive on Call of Duty right now. It gets everything COD first as a timed exclusive basis. They literally have two things this month. They got Final Fantasy as well. Yep. They're dominating the timed exclusive right now. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, Nintendo has a couple, obviously, and, we and just the talked Control about. DLC, which I did not know about. The what DLC? I guess I'm stuck there. Control. Yeah. Yes, it's very good. Control DLC is timed exclusive, and uh, I have my bought Control on the Xbox, so I guess I'm stuck until June waiting for that. Yeah, we actually review the uh, DLC for Control on Sifted HQ today, so if you want to know whether you should buy that or not, go check out that show. Um, that was actually Mitch who handled that. He did a great job, I would add. Um, so, yeah, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. Coming to three platforms, only available for PlayStation right now, but it is available right now for PS4. Um, what Matt, what do you remember about Modern Warfare 2? Um, I remember No Russian. Yep. And One of the most uh, iconic remember, scenes in the history of gaming, I would say. Yep. I remember Russia invading America. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there's a lot of street fighting on the you know the suburban streets of of America, like a lot of like street fighting there, which is like surreal at the time. Now it doesn't seem all that great because hey, it's 2020. Who knows what? Who knows what's going to happen in April? Yeah. Um, and uh, I really liked it. I I uh, thought it was excellent at the time. Uh, I haven't played it in probably you know twelve years, but uh, uh, I really like Modern Warfare One, and I like Modern Warfare Two's campaign even better. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of the last Call of Duty I liked until Infinite Warfare, uh, <laughs> campaign-wise. But um, I thought it was very well done. I think it was the peak of Infinity War's uh, campaign design skills until yeah. um, until Titanfall Two. Yep. Uh, so I, at the time it came out, I believe it was the best first-person shooter ever made. Uh, Modern Warfare Two. I don't know if you remember or not, but it came out the same year as Uncharted Two, and. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of Game of the Year discussions across the years, and I will say that that was the most difficult Game of the Year discussion I've ever had, deciding between Uncharted 2 and Modern Warfare 2 for Game of the Year that year. Um, And I agree with you. This was Infinity Ward, full flight, taking all the lessons it had learned from Modern Warfare 1 and applying them here, but having more leeway to actually work on the details of the game. Um, I think some people would, would fairly argue that the first Modern Warfare is better. I would, I don't agree with that, but I could see that perspective completely because this does complicate things a little more. There's more like vehicle stuff than there was in Modern Warfare and things like that. Uh, but to me, I thought that that just really mixed things up so it didn't become as monotonous. And I think I appreciate that more now with the modern Call of Duties than a lot of people did back then. Um, But even when I was evaluating, I was like, oh, this mixes things up. It doesn't turn into this just one shooting gallery after another thing, which in a lot of ways I felt like the first Modern Warfare could kind of settle into at times. Um, Just a great shooter. Multiplayer was freaking amazing too. Just a total complete package. Um, Yeah, so I, I like you, I have not played this campaign now since... I played it way back when, when it came out. Uh, so I would be interested to go back now, having played so many shooters since then, to see if this still holds up. And I think I probably will. Um, I don't yeah. know if Activision sent me a code yet. I haven't really checked my inbox since this morning. Cause I was, was that 09? Was that when that came out? That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Modern Warfare 1 was 07. Yep. So 09 makes perfect yeah. sense as well. I think it was. And Uncharted 2, I, if I remember, was 09 as well. So yeah, that all lines up. Um, but it is, at least, you know, back then, 11 years ago, it was an amazing campaign. I'll be interested to go back and give this a go now and see if my opinion of the game back then still holds up now. Mm-hmm. Um, times have changed, but not all that much in this genre, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's still pretty much the gold standard. 
I mean, in terms of campaign design, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you play, you know, you just played the last Call of Duty's campaign. It's not all that much different from this. Like, it's really, it really hasn't evolved all that much. Um, and I would argue that there are more memorable moments in this than there was in the Call of Duty that just came out. So, yeah, I think they've, I think the series has eternally been chasing the uh, nuclear bomb of Modern Warfare One and no Russian since those games came out, and I don't think they've ever matched them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they have not removed No Russian from the game. It's still in there, uh, except it's in 4K now and probably uh, just a little bit more disturbing than it was before. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see a lot of people maybe playing No Russian for the first time here over the next couple months and seeing their I reaction I was going to say, online. Shane, uh, that was probably the one game that a lot of kids around my age, parents would not buy this game for that reason. Because like they, they heard about yeah. No Russian. Yeah, they would buy any other Call of Duty game. They would buy any other rated M game, but that was a clear no. And I think it was usually only like one or two people had it, and that's how we were able to play it as kids. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it was very much a hard no. And so I expect potentially people will be attracted to it because they've never played No Russian. Do you think it'll sell? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> I also, get that. Uh, it's one of the best-selling games of all time. Also note that Modern Warfare 2 is now as old today as uh, Ocarina of Time was when it came out. Wait, what? Okay, Ocarina so when Modern time Warfare 2 came out, Ocarina, Ocarina of, of Time was 11. Years old. Oh, wow. Yep. Wow. So it's been 22 years since Ocarina of Time. Yep. Yes, it has. <laughs> well, looking at the game now, Crazy. it still looks like a good game to play in yeah. modern standard. Yeah, it's looking like at this not, this B-roll, it's it like... It does not look aged. No, it really doesn't. And Even now it's in 4K, and yeah. it's uh, How much of it, was it a full remaster, just a remaster, or did they tweak stuff, do you know? No, it's just, uh, it's just all tech. So, you know, all new okay. textures and character models and stuff like that, but they haven't, like, removed any missions or added any missions or anything like that, so... It but does. it's not just like it's not just we turned the resolution up. They actually did. Oh, they did work. Yeah, it's actually developed by Beanox. <clears throat> the remaster was. It wasn't even developed by Infinity Ward. <clears throat> Beanox, by the way, hey, they're coming on, man. Like they they put out a couple games when they were first kind of got started that were pretty bad, um, but they've really kind of come through for Activision here over the last few years. Um, didn't Beanox? Yeah, they started as kind of. It started as kind of like an also-ran Spider-Man developer. And didn't they also make uh, Tony Hawk Ride, where you actually had the plastic board? Yeah, that sounds right. I think they yeah. did. And boy, that was awful. So, <laughs> to see them making stuff like this... I don't think like this, made that good, though. Yeah, but Beanox has come a long, long way from where they were when they started. Um, but I'm going to give this a go. You think you'll play it, Matt? Uh, Modern Warfare 2? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? You going to give it a go? Uh... Depending on price. So, have you played it? Uh, no, I that's never played a, it. It's a game wow. I definitely do want to play. At the moment, it depends on price. Uh, also, we do have some big games coming out yeah. right now. That maybe this is a game more towards after I finish Final Fantasy VII remake because we have Resident Evil coming out this weekend, and then we have Final Fantasy next weekend. But it's pretty dry after that in regards to big console releases for a while except for gears tactics at the end of the month i got the press release this morning from activision when it was made official and they included everything in the press release but the price um and i didn't have time to go to psn and see if uh oh the price yeah, someone says there. it's 20 bucks oh that's pretty good that's actually worth my time i i think i and think money. i think that's the right price i think that'll get people to buy it and play it 
It definitely isn't a mm-hmm. not a stumbling block for me. Twenty bucks, that's like whatever. I mean, it's only six hours long, maybe. It's not that long. Um, Call of Duty campaigns have been short for a really long time, and they started that way uh, with uh, Infinity Ward stuff. So, for twenty bucks, in my opinion, one of the best campaigns, shooting campaigns ever released. Yeah. That I'll pay twenty bucks up. for that fast faster than I'll pay twenty bucks for Jedi Academy, that's for there sure. There you go. That's a good way to put it. All right, let's move on to our last topic of episode two oh five. We've been talking a lot about Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five over the last like two months, but really it's heated up over the last month. Um, and so we wanted to kind of simmer all our thoughts down into some cogent analysis that you guys can take away as valuable. So what we've decided to do is we've decided to do a next-gen report card where we look at both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X in four categories and then decide for each platform which one is doing the better job. Um, Some of these are going to be a little difficult because we don't have enough information or whatever, but I think that's part of this because... One of, like some of the categories we're going to discuss are like messaging and momentum. And I think that's important leading up to the launch of any product, not just a video game console. So some categories, I think one platform will have an advantage over the other and vice versa. So I think it'll all even out. Uh, and we'll try to figure out as of right now which of the two consoles we feel like is leading the next gen race. We're going to start off with tech. Um, and because this is the easiest one, I believe it's black and white in a lot of cases, although in this case, not maybe it's black and gray instead of black and white. Um, we have the Xbox series X, which is just basically a raw horsepower beast. Uh, that's just going to blunt force trauma its way through game code. Then we have the PlayStation five, where if you look at his specs on paper, they seem to be a little bit lower than series X. But if you followed Mark Cerny's, presentation he explains how the system can be used by skilled developers to essentially squeeze about the same amount of performance out of it if you want to write to the metals as they say um so matt between those two which one do you think has the advantage right now i mean on paper it's the xbox but uh i would argue that power doesn't mean anything really when it, when when the rubber hits the road because well, we'll the get to those other categories right now we're talking about tech at, but like that's what I'm saying is like tech is irrelevant because if it, if it wasn't if it was relevant the Wii wouldn't have won that generation like uh, like and we don't know who's winning the tech war on this because there's no way to compare them quite yet like like PlayStation Five is doing such weird shit in terms of trying to optimize how it does what it does that it's just hard to say like. You know, because I mean, I don't think Cerny's lying. Like, I, I think Cerny is a, Cerny's a tech genius. Like, they, if anyone can pull off what he's saying, that thing does. It's Cerny and his team. But we just don't quite know why it matters yet, um, or whether it can kind of you know. The the key is going to be: is there extra work required to keep parity with what the Xbox can do brute force wise? And I think will there is. I think that's developers... pretty safe to assume there is. Yeah. yeah. And, and will multi-platform developers be willing to do that work? Or rather, the ag- not developers, will publishers be willing to spend the time and money required to get that parity? Will it matter? And I would argue that um, we don't know that yet until we start seeing what these multi-platform games look like. Um, 
But if you're going to talk about like just on paper, probably the Series X has a very minor edge. Uh, and the the edge gets bigger the more you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Mitch, what what do you say for tech? On paper, yeah. I, I think Matt brings up a good point in regards, and I think it I think he's right, in regards to not under, fully understanding what the tech really does. I think, you know, one of our categories is messaging, and I think we'll get to it in a minute, but I think the messaging of understanding the context of it affecting the console itself I think we don't fully realize what it is yet. So I think in a slight reason, I think it's a little too early. Well, I yeah. I think that will also help when <laughs> we see the That's the point OS. of this discussion. It's early. <laughs> yeah, it's really early to try to compare this tech because we, we don't understand it. So you're yeah. not going to pick one? I, I, no, I said Xbox on paper okay. has a tech advantage for sure, but not understanding what PlayStation to, does, to we can't out really fully realize what it's going to be. It'd be easier to figure this out once we see their OSs and sort of see more of like what the personality or flavor they're going for, which either each of the systems is, because like that tends to teach you a whole lot about the attitude that the company's approaching the system, the, the console with. And we, and, don't, we just don't know that yet. And plus Other than like, it's going to load real fast. And plus they both showed two completely different types of emphases with these console. Um, so example, like Microsoft sold, showed off the fast loading where Sony is more focused on, you know... No, Sony big, showed off fast-loading first. Well, in secret, that's not... A, I don't know if... That, that. I mean, there was a tech thing, but we don't know if that's legit in regards to, you know... It wasn't... They didn't show it off in a conference, so they didn't say in regards to, like, how fast... Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> uh, but I, I think... Uh, that, they may show the fast loading. Yes, you do have that. Uh, I think the other elements are vastly different of what they are talking about, that tech-wise it's hard to understand until you can have all of that together and put it side by side. I think it, I think it's very easy to say Xbox right now. I, I don't think it's even close because we already know that raw numbers PlayStation 5 can't keep up. So in order for PlayStation 5 to have games that look as good as Xbox Series X games, the developers are going to have to do extra work. Will they? The vast majority, probably so. You but start. They, they, I start talking about the smaller Japanese developers. Are they going to do it? They won't. They they don't. But and, if you look at Cerny's presentation, he specifically states in it that they worked on reducing the time between generation of hardware of creating games. And they talked about each of the consoles and how long it took for them as companies, uh, as game creators, to turn around on that new generation of hardware. And this one is just as short as any of the consoles they've made before. So I think in difficulty to create with this hardware, I think that's not correct. What do you mean it's not correct? Because they said they made the hardware accessible for the developers. Yeah, but how, that's the same thing. It's the same thing with Xbox Series X, dude. It's even more accessible to developers. You don't have to manage like the pipelines inside the Series X. It, to me, right now, Xbox clear advantage. And I think all three of us voted for it anyway, yeah. so Xbox. Next up, the games. Um, so this, is, this might be the toughest one, I think, to kind of figure out. Software. Um, because right now with Xbox, we know about more games for Series X, but a lot of it also is like, hey, Microsoft bought a bunch of new studios. They're all working on stuff. And we have seen some of the stuff. Like we've seen uh, a couple games from a couple of their acquisitions already. Um, and obviously, we know Halo Infinite is coming at launch. Really, it's a wild card for PlayStation. We've seen Godfall 
And then there was like a new game called Quantum Error that was announced this week for PlayStation 5. WRC 9 was confirmed for PlayStation 5, and that's pretty much it. Um, also, by the way, most of those games are also confirmed for Xbox Series X. So how do you guys feel about software as where it sits right now? What about the prospect? I, Maybe, I guess a lot of times have, you're looking at the prospects of it, right, Matt? I have no anything on software right now. We don't know anything. Like Halo Infinite, sure. Like We know what that what the deal is with that. It's probably going to be a Forza. Um, Hellblade we're seeing yeah, not, right now. That's another series. Hell, Hellblade, but Hellblade is not launched. Hellblade is next year. Yeah. Um, Godfall, bleh, you know, like <laughs> you, what, you, who cares? Um, you know, Sony, Sony's first party stuff is is where the big guns are for them. We just don't know anything yet. Yeah, they showed a lot like, of third party. We, you know, we got a couple party. months before we see anything that can make us like sit up and bark about any of that. Really, I think it's easily Sony. Uh, just even if you just look at okay, what IP does Microsoft have versus what IP does sony have um it's not like well, yeah, it's naughty dog is gonna sure forget like how to launch. make great games or insomniac's gonna quit at, forget how to make great games or sucker punch is gonna forget how to make great games everything so are you talking about like the whole life of the console or launch here just in general like right now which platform has the advantage in each of these four categories and i think it's still even I, though microsoft made big strides by buying those studios right now it's all just conjecture and promise these studios in Sony stables are proven over and over again. They're not going sure, but, anywhere. But several of those big studios are about to put out things they've been working on for years. We're not going to see their PlayStation 5 output until 2022 or 2023. So how relevant is that? Yeah. You know, at least Sony, at least Microsoft, as much as I'm not super excited about Halo Infinite, at least Halo Infinite's coming this year. It is. Um, we're not going to see another Naughty Dog game for years from now. We might not see another Sucker Punch game till the end of next gen. Like we don't know. Like my one like question. I, though, obviously, oh. Sony has the first party stuff that I'm more interested in, but that's not a thing that's in my immediate buying decision future. If you, if that makes any sense. Well, my my question for both of you probably would be: Is do you think there's an advantage with Sony because their next gen games are going to be exclusive to that console? Where here Microsoft. Halo Infinite, it's coming for both consoles. Hellblade may be coming for both consoles. They're they're they committed to a two-year window where it doesn't matter. You just have to have an Xbox, which I think affects potentially how good the game could potentially be because you're not taking full advantage of that hardware. Good point, Mitch. Yep, agreed. I think you are taking taking full advantage of the hardware because that's the point of the modularity. It's like uh, you're relying on your scaling. I mean, PC games do that all the time. Like you're just basically yeah. turning bells and whistles on and off, and you know that really historically hasn't hurt anything. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. But I do think it might be tempting, certainly in the tighter economic times we have, to just play Halo Infinite on your Xbox One. But I think that's a serious disservice to your customer because. You know, even the jump between PS3, PS4, PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, there are significant differences in those games, whether that's less enemies, more enemies, the animation isn't as good. It clearly is a downgrade of that other game. And I think it disservices to your customer to say, hey, you can experience the game on both systems where we're really not experiencing the same game. Eh, I don't agree with that. The more things you can play something on, the better. Like democratize it and then exclusivize it later on when people are willing to like jump into the next gen and the next gen is established and there's a there's a bundle worth buying and there's a there's a library worth owning 
Um, I don't. I don't think that that. I, I think Microsoft's approach is much more consumer friendly. Let me give you an example because, like, we had uh, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed came out for PlayStation Two and PlayStation Three, all those generations of hardware, the two gens. Clearly, the game was not very good as a PS2 generation hardware game. It clearly was completely different. It had the same story, had the same characters, didn't look as good. The motion graphics in regards to the animation didn't work as well. The physics weren't working as great. You know, it's a completely different experience. You don't think that matters? No. Especially I think, not it, in this I think it matters a little because bit. They're not, they're not make, but they're not making different versions of these games. You're just turning the settings down. It's yeah. not the same thing as making a, a gimped Wii version of something back in the day. You're just going to have lower res or less detailed character models yeah. or no ray tracing, that kind of thing. And that's a different thing. You're not selling a different game to somebody. You're just saying, hey, you don't want to spend 500 bucks on this new system? You can still play this game you want to play. And there's no, there's no downside to that except that you've decided to save some money and play something in a, in a, in a lesser capacity, which is the same thing decision people make on PC all the time when they decide not to throw however much money at the latest NVIDIA card. And it's fine so you're not seeing it as a like the next gen is just only going to be a graphical difference between these two things it's not going to be you know the ai is going to be different and interact differently with the game and the levels the the level design he's making a good point matt that there's more to games than just graphics no here's a dirty little secret about ai ai hasn't changed in generations it's just slightly different slightly different pathing etc etc there is a chance that the rapid access of the hard drives on these new systems that Cerny described is going to lead to an ability to do something like that. Or like he said, changing how level design is done. But that kind of stuff is not going to come into its own until a little later on because launch games never do... It, you know, launch games never take full advantage of the new bells and whistles of, of hardware. It's just not how it works. You have to learn to do that. Like Uncharted 1 was not a, it was not a launch game, but Uncharted 1 is not Uncharted 2, which is not Uncharted 3. Um, and there's a learning process. And I think as that learning process happens and these developers learn, oh, with this new ra- rapid access SSD, we can have this section be like this, but that's going to make it so we can't really run it on the last gen systems. You're going to have to make the decision to make either a different version of the game or just say, well, if you want to play this, you got to buy a PlayStation 5. And I think that that time will come a year to a year and a half into the PlayStation 5's li- lifetime, and that's just how it's going to slowly push you to buy that new system, and that's fine. But early on, you don't want to make that transition too harsh, and that is a fair decision on the on the part of both companies. I think. Well, I think for, wait, 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 we got to so wrap this up. That. Let me get my my point in sure, here. I, I think the final thing that seals it for me is that I've watched year after year after year after year on Xbox, where it's just Gears, Halo, Forza. Gears, Halo, Forza, Gears, Halo, just over and over and over again. And while Microsoft, it's, it was smart to make these purchases, and they could very well work out, and they could, it could end up that Microsoft's stable of first-party studios destroys Sony's stable of first-party studios. However, that is all wishful thinking and conjecture. I know, I know Sony studios are some of the best in the world. I know they're not going to release broken games. I to me, that's what settles it. It's like there's just a lot of wishful thinking and hoping that Microsoft can get itself together. And I know for a fact that Sony's first-party studios already have it together and then some. So I, I think to sum it up really easily would be we're more excited about the new first-party Sony platform or the next first-party Sony game than the next Hellblade. 
we're more probably more excited about that than even I though Hellblade would be a great game. I don't know. I wouldn't game, necessarily say that. No. Even though Hellblade would be a great game, I will it match that tier, that polish? Who knows? It's it, unpredictable. It depends what the next Sony game is. Like if the next Sony game is Horizon 2, sure. If the next Sony game is, I don't know, whatever next thing. Some Detroit other company Become Human 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not, not doing that anymore, are they? They, they let them joking. go. All right, but, so it uh, looks like for that category, we've got. Are you? Would you go with Xbox, Matt, for this? I go with neither. Okay, so you you abstain I, until I until I see actual games. Everything's conjecture. Okay, so you abstain, and Mitch and I go Sony. So I guess yeah. Sony wins that one. Uh, next up, messaging. Um, this one to me might be the easiest one because one has done a lot of it, and the other one has done hardly any of it. Uh, Microsoft, with Series X being the one that's done a ton of the messaging, uh, and PlayStation being the one that hasn't really done much of it. Um, other than that presentation that we got from Cerny, uh, most of the information we have from it has been from patent leaks <laughs> or or photos on the internet of the dev kits and stuff like that. A lot of the stuff we've been learning about PlayStation 5 hasn't actually come from PlayStation. Uh, on the other hand, it feels like everything we know about Series X has come from an official source at Microsoft or via proxy with, you know, Digital Foundry or one of the sites that they trust to kind of handle the tech stuff there. Um, I think just overall raw number quantity of messaging, I think it's a runaway win for Xbox. What do you guys think? Matt? I would argue we don't actually really know that much more about one or the other. Um, we know what the Xbox looks like, and that's about it. That's different to me. Like that Cerny talk covered a whole lot of the same things we know about the Xbox, uh, just in a more boring fashion. Um, and until we know more about like what it does and what each game, each things tra- things translate into the user experience, the user interface, the bells and whistles that are in the UI and the OS, um, and also again. What it costs, like, I don't know if me- any of the messaging at this point matters beyond a very specific core demographic that cares about that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I've, I feel like I'm about on even ground with both of them. I think uh, Xbox has presented it in a more uh, entertaining fashion, um, just in the sense that we got to see the stuff at the Game Awards, and that was more of a more of a reveal uh, as opposed to a tech talk like we got with Cerny's GDC thing. Yep. But I don't feel like either one of them is. Uh, I think one of them has done it in a more consumer friendly way, but I don't think we know more about one or the other yet. And we're gonna have to. We're in this. We're in this really gonna gonna be really dead zone from now. I think until what would have been E3. Yeah, I I agree. But I think even if you just want to look at it on a base level, there's a trailer for Xbox Series X. We have nothing for PlayStation 5. Yeah, well, until until Sony wants to show us what the damn thing looks like, yeah. and or at least reassure us that it doesn't look like those weird dev kits or whatever those things are that leak. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we, we just you know, don't we, know. Yeah, we still don't know like what anything looks like on PlayStation. You're right. I mean, it's very simple to say that they, you know, they showed the console, PlayStation hasn't, but it's more than that. You know, it's being able to see the ports on the back of it and seeing the new proprietary memory cards and seeing the controller. Like, we've seen mm-hmm. the controller for Series X already. We haven't seen the controller, other than patents, we haven't seen the controller for PlayStation 5 at all. So, I do think, I do think the last category and what you said about the last category kind of informs how much this one matters in a sense because, like, yeah, I know what the ports on the back of that Xbox look like, but I sure would prefer to know when Horizon 2 is coming out. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, um, it, it's it's just I gotta know whether this PlayStation lineup is going to be exciting 
uh, as opposed to like the Xbox lineup, which seems fine, but not the launch lineup for the place for the Xbox seems fine, but it doesn't like make me excited. You know, Halo and Forza again doesn't make me excited. Whereas like if you have a couple surprises up your sleeve from Sony first party, that could get me excited for fall for the PlayStation Five. But we just don't know, and um, that's sort of where I am here. It's like, oh yeah, that's a cool. It's cool how how the Xbox is two GameCubes stacked on top. But where are the games? Like it, yeah. it's. It's it's it just feels like I'm trying to like pretend I'm satisfied with this like scrap of a meal when really I just re- I, you really need to show me what we're gonna play. Well, I think what everyone's losing sight on, which is a little frustrating, while listening to these people talk about and us in general talk about this stuff, you know, Microsoft went really early. Like we do not hear about tech and consoles this early in in the year when a game when a console is coming out next year. I'm using last year as a reference because Sony did a conference, uh, but in that conference they they just showed off games and hardware. That's all they showed. Wait, now, what they are you talking only, about? Sony did a conference. Uh, last, uh, not last year. Sorry, uh, the last generation of hardware. The year of they did one in March. They did a conference to show off the games. Well, they're following the exact same pattern as they, they did are. with PlayStation and 4. Microsoft decided to go early, and that changes things. That changes, you know, because people now want the information sooner. And it's like, you know, you're going to get this information, and then you got to sit on it for a long, long time. I think Sony is just trying to say, hey, get the information out. Give us a buffer window to ramp up that hype later than to just release all this information in like Microsoft did in December. Like they show off this Microsoft's console in also December. been surprisingly Microsoft's been surprisingly casual about admitting like, yeah, new new system's coming. Like Yeah. Well way even as much as a year ago, there was like, yeah, we got uh, we got stuff coming we got we got a new system coming. It's working on it. I mean we knew about cool. the two different versions last year. Yeah. That there was gonna Whereas be Sony the... Sony locked everything down and we barely know there I mean Sony's like the friend that disappeared last year, and we don't know like what what they're doing or where they went or if they're still living where they used to live. Or like it's it's the difference in how both of them are approaching like this gen is is striking. Because yeah, here's the thing: so we're talking about messaging now, but and I, I think we probably all agree that that Xbox probably wins this category because they I, and I would say because they but, were first, but they were the first. N- next category is momentum, and mm. because Sony pulled back a little bit in the prior category with this which is messaging has that actually helped sony in the next category which is momentum because we don't know a lot about playstation 5 do you think that there's still a lot more interest in playstation 5 right now than there is in series x because we kind of, it's a kind of a known quantity at this point i think there is an element of like if they're playing this this close and this quiet they must have something good Mm-hmm. Like something there's an big. assumption that may or may not be true, but there's an assumption I think that, that, that there's a there's a sense in which how Sony has done this projects confidence. Yep, yeah, and I would say Microsoft coming out first with all this stuff. I think it that showed confidence at first too, but mm-hmm. you didn't see PlayStation make the knee jerk reaction of oh Microsoft is announcing this stuff like so now we're going to need to announce it. They waited a long freaking time, which does exude a sense of confidence for sure like it, it makes it seem yeah, this like this is a much better way to say next gen starts when we say it starts rather than just saying that right. at a press conference like <laughs> they did for the ps3 or you exactly. also could put it in perspective as it's like a poker game and microsoft thinks they can win with a pair 
By the way, Kenny Rogers, rest in peace. Uh, uh, um, but uh, they think that you know who Kenny Rogers is. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> no it. idea. <laughs> uh, I knew it. I knew you, you had saw no my idea. Face and you instantly knew. I have no you ever idea. heard the song "The Gambler" before? No. Yeah, you got to know when to hold. Oh, them. I know that song. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I usually don't know song <laughs> titles. I know if you. I know sing that whole song it, by can, heart, by the way. I know when to fold it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I think uh, you know. I think Microsoft, in a sense threw your hand out a little early and Sony's just waiting, just waiting. And they're like, I'm, I'm waiting for the river to the, the last card to flip and I'll have a full house just right here for you. Like yeah. it, there's, there's, there's confidence, like Matt said, in that quietness that really makes it seem as if they have something bigger to show and they're just waiting for that opportune moment to undercut everything Microsoft is doing. And Microsoft is trying to play what they think is the, the long game, but I think Sony is probably playing a better long game right now because they don't have yeah, as I, much info. I, I do think Microsoft is going to need a stronger lineup to to recapture the interest once all the cards are on the table, to continue Mitch's card-playing metaphor. <laughs> um, you really are going to have, like, you better, better be some stuff in there that makes my eyebrows go up more than Halo. Um, yep. And I know that Halo is supposed to be the 800-pound gorilla, but I really hope at this point Microsoft has learned. It's not anymore, I don't think. Yeah, Microsoft has to learn that that is not what that is anymore. You need to give me something that makes me go, ooh, exciting. And frankly, you know, I'm I'm willing to buy both consoles or like one or the other. Like I can go either way depending on what the launch lineup looks like. But right now, from what we know of Microsoft, if Sony decides to flip their cards over and that launch launch hand includes Horizon 2 good night xbox for me i think for a lot of people that would be the case but you know a lot of the casuals who only buy a couple games a year i think they would disagree with us i think they would say oh it's halo but maybe i'm i'm really curious i don't know if any real study or, or 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 kind of opinion polls have been done on like what kind of cachet halo still pulls with the mainstream as like i'd be very interested to find that out yeah. i don't know i don't know if halo is the i mean it might be the, just I mean, for old dudes like us now, but <laughs> yeah. like it's yeah i think I'm, it holds more sway for older folks than you know the influencers and, and the and you could well, argue that the older folks are the ones that are going to be paying for the consoles yeah well i think for me it's also like the thing that made halo halo the kid, the when kids i was don't a have kid bucks. was yeah. was that multiplayer the yeah. multiplayer was the thing. We didn't care about the, the, the campaign when we bought Halo 2 and Halo 3. We I wanted did. to play multiplayer. Well, that, I mean, that's what my generation all cared about. We cared about yeah. drinking Mountain Dew and playing a shit ton of Halo <laughs> multiplayer all night long, gain the hammer, smashing faces, you know, all that kind of stuff. Slayer. Campaign didn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> campaign meant nothing to us. And so I think when they tried to push the campaign as the big thing for the future of halo i think it turned people off well the campaigns have just sucked since well, halo 3 it doesn't so. help they're not great <laughs> but, but they <laughs> try to make problem. an emphasis of it yeah. and yeah. i think that's the wrong messaging for that franchise and it completely turned people off to the point where people don't want to go back well the other thing is it was, the, it was, was a was pioneer wrong messaging no it, like, the thing is it, it was a pioneer it when it came out campaigns have been good and it's not a pioneer anymore. When it came out, like, I had already been playing Star Siege Tribes on my PC with my Voodoo 2 card for, like, a year and a half or two years before Halo came out. Halo, to me, was, like, a step back from what I had been playing as a PC player. However, for console players who just came off of GoldenEye, it was a huge 
step forward. And it was really unlike anything else available on consoles at the time. And it, you know, it had online play, all this stuff that console players are experiencing for the first time. The problem with Halo is as time went on, it wasn't unique anymore. And instead of just standing on the fact that it was the only thing in town, it now had to stand on the fact that it's the best thing in town. And it's very hard to be the best thing in town. Even if you have a ton of really talented people working on something, there's no guarantee. And so now you have so much more competition. I mean, honestly, Call of Duty killed Halo. It came in and was yeah. like, okay, let, let, we'll show you how to do multiplayer now. And that's exactly what they did. And that's why Halo lost its significance. It's not because yeah, of a campaign. They, they tried to make the pivot on that because they knew Call of Duty was going to eat their multiplayer lunch. But the problem was they did not manage to beef the campaign quality up. Yep. To match it, like you could have made that turn, like you, they could yeah. have done that and yep. said like, oh, Halo is a single player focused series now, co-op single player kind of thing. Like that's where we're going to focus is still multiplayer, but like we're going to really blow the doors off of this story driven experience. And they just didn't. Yep. Yeah, they fell like, on their faces. It was much. just the whole thing turned out anemic with Halo 4, and they, they didn't get the mojo back for five. Nope. And this is kind of the last shot. And I don't know. Where they're Bring in put the chief. <laughs> yeah. Here comes the chief to try to save the moment, day. Here come, they haven't here come shown the judge. enough. Yeah. Like, they need to show more. Especially if they're showing the console this much, they should be showing Halo this much because that doesn't change people's anticipation for you the gotta console. You got to leave something. You still got another like 10 months. Like you can't just blow the whole thing out now. If this is their big anchor game, that would be the dumbest thing they could ever do. But they, they have already, to slowly were, build interest in this thing as it approaches long. They already shown their cards. Like Halo is going to be the thing to change your mind? Wait, like, you were just talking about Halo. How they needed to show more of Halo. Yeah, That's what you just said. Well, they might as well show it now because no, then no, they'll no, get no. buried no, later. No, 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 no. Okay. So, momentum. My vote goes for PlayStation. Matt, how about you? I mean, just in terms of kind of market, like, viability, I think PlayStation has the advantage here. Like, it's, you're, Microsoft's the one that has to convince someone to look in their direction. PlayStation's already got the eyes on them. Okay. And Mitch, although your vote doesn't count, really, because we've already got two. <laughs> what's, your, what's your pick, yeah, anyway? It's, it's, it's PlayStation, for sure. Okay. So, here to recap. Tech. Matt abstained. Mitch and I both picked Series X. Games, Sony came out the winner. Messaging, Xbox was determined the winner. And Momentum, Sony was determined the winner. So of the four categories, they were split down the middle two to two. So there you go. Hmm. We, we solved nothing in the last 20 minutes. We had fun doing it, though. So We, we solved the problem of making 20 more minutes of show. <laughs> I do I do think that this is uh I think that's the right result though. I think that is pretty pretty kind of apparent of what's really going on with the next gen race right now. There's pros and cons for each one, um, and there's no easy answer between the two of them. And hopefully as time goes on that becomes more clear, but mm. I'm not hundred percent certain it's gonna be. The 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 only real if if the price is different between the two of them, that could really be the only nail in the coffin for one or the other. Yeah. But I think they are going to both be the same price. Okay, And I think uh, it would be really interesting to play the same game like right after we get these announcements and compare the two to see where we were before and where we are today. Yep. So lots of time to figure all that stuff out. But I think that was a pretty fun exercise, a good check-in. Um, it wouldn't have worked if we had done it months ago. But I think now with the information that we have, I think it was, uh, I think it was fun. I enjoyed discussing it, and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to it. 
Uh, it's time for our Q&A. I can see some of you guys are on it. You already got questions in the chat. Uh, go at Sifted Games in the chat to get your questions answered. It helps us pluck them out, particularly now, because usually on the screen I have the chat, and then we can actually bring it into the show, and you guys can see the chat in the archive. However, because we're using Skype to bring Matt in, I got Matt here, and I'll spin him around again like I did last week. My good buddy. We miss you, bro. I'll be seeing you soon to drop off uh-huh. a microphone. I ruin s- things. <laughs> I'll be seeing you soon to drop off a microphone. Um, so anyway, it's harder for me to see. So thank you guys for going as if to games in here because that's the only way I can pluck them out. My vision still isn't great either, unfortunately. I got one ready if you are still waiting on one. Uh, are you, is it Bat Guys? No, it's Commander Fett. Okay, go ahead. Commander Fett says, do you think the next generation of consoles will be delayed and will it help the launch lineup? And if delayed, do you, when do you think they'll come out? No, I don't think they will be. Um, they just Microsoft just said it won't likely. be. Yeah, Microsoft literally just well, a me, few days ago said they're not going to be delayed, or yeah, Series they, X won't be delayed. They, yeah, and, and a few weeks ago it was a hoax. Um, things can change very they rapidly can. depending on how quickly things get back on track. Uh, but if they do get delayed, they will not slip past the end of March. Like yeah, these things will launch this school year, hell or high water. To answer his question about uh, will the would the lo- the launch lineup improve? Yes, absolutely. Um, not only at the very least you get a few months more polishing. Yep, you, it, at the very least you get a few more months of polish on the games you're working on. And if you have that game, it's kind of right on the borderline of making launch or not. Now maybe it does have a chance. So yeah, there's yeah. more time is always going to help software. Always, no matter what. So yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, something launch window can become launch day. That's only that can be only good for the launch. Yep, absolutely. Also, side note: we are on level two of the hype train. Nice. I can't even see it, folks. I'm sorry, yeah. man. We did I'm... hit level two earlier in the stream, but I we were talking. I didn't want to interrupt. So. Okay. Thank you guys to everyone who uh, sent in the bits and stuff for that. Really appreciate it. Well, we got another 10, 10, 10 subscription drop from Sound Wizard earlier as well. That's yes. that explains that it. Sound Wizard, the freaking man. Thank you. I, look, just thank you for the bits, man. Like right now, everyone losing their jobs and everything. Our Patreon's like going way down, and I totally get it. Uh, but ev- literally every dollar is going to matter to us over the next couple months as we try to survive through this. So thank you guys. Um, let's see. Here's one from Eth Demon. What about the demos that Microsoft showed to Digital Foundry? He's asking. Um, what demos did they show to Digital Foundry? I think they showed Forza. They did showed they? a they showed a Forza demo using the new tech. I think that was like a year ago. Yeah. So when you say what about them? Well, if it's Forza, I think we already covered that. <laughs> Saying that I'm sick of it. Forza Gears Halo. Forza Gears Halo. Um, that, to me, is not the answer to any of Microsoft's problems. Those, And I would say, in general, those free fr- three franchises are really not going to be the answer to any of Microsoft's problems. If they were, Microsoft wouldn't have any problems because they've been releasing those games consistently and at a pretty high quality. So, yeah, I would, honestly, when looking at this, I would just kind of eliminate those games from the discussion because they're a known quantity. They're not an X factor that's really going to change the tide of anything. My only thing I would say to that is if they can, since it's going to be cross-gen with their first party, they should release the demo for someone to play. If, the, if you're confident enough in your game, let people get hands on it. Make it change their mind. I think demos are a way to get people to maybe change their, their minds in regards to how a game plays. Like 
put the new Halo on there as a demo for a little bit. Now, PlayStation sure. did say that, you know, before the end of the year, they'll have PS5 demos up on PlayStation Store. They so. did. And we're on level three. Oh, awesome. Get that hype train rolling, people. Uh, let's see. I think, um, yep, that one's already been answered. I can't see this name. Mitchell is alive, I believe. Uh, my friends yeah. are experiencing fatigue from all the remakes being pumped out rather than new projects. I believe this is why we are seeing less quantity of shovelware and movie tie-in games. Um, would you rather have remakes and remasters over the shovelware uh, tie-in? Bonus, which remakes, remasters do you think have been unnecessary? What have been the best ones? I mean, I like remasters of good older games way better than mediocre new games. But yeah. And, I, and look, everyone, no, everyone um, agrees with that because I can see it in Sifted's traffic. I mean, we post debut trailers for new games every day every day at least like three or four per day every day and no matter what we write in that blurb no matter how much we try to hype them and try to say hey if you like this you should watch this people just won't watch it if they they just Mm -hmm. won't you put up something for a remaster of an old game or a remake of an old guaranteed top three or four pieces of content on sifted that day guaranteed so it's it's not even a question, really. I think what's also uh, um, enticing for these companies to release remasters is because some people don't have the opportunity to experience it the first time around. Yeah. Like myself, yep. I can experience now Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 for the first time. Like that's, that's an opportunity they allowed to give me this time around because they did a remaster. And Resident Evil 2 will be my, fam- my favorite remake. Um, one that was unnecessary, Destroy All Humans. <laughs> I really, really don't see much of a need yeah. for them to remake that game, even though it's like THQ Nordics. It was one of their keystone games at E3. It had like a big booth presence and everything. To me, that game didn't need to be remade. What about you, Matt? Can you think of one? Um, I mean, that's a good pick. Uh, I would personally say Crash Bandicoot, but obviously for uh, <laughs> Activision's, Activision's pocketbook, that is not true. Yeah. Uh, um, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I, Destroy All Humans is probably the most, like, pointless. Unless they, did they, didn't they do one for... Uh, what about SpongeBob SquarePants like, Battle for Bikini Bottom? There's another that, one. That has a big <laughs> speedrunning community yeah. around it. So it's not, uh, didn't they do one for Voodoo Vince? They did. It was just a... Yeah, it was just a re... Yeah, like an uprest kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's all it was. But still, but that I mean... That <laughs> thing caught me off guard. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. That game was not good when it was released. Obscure yeah, Xbox that? exclusives. They do, they do that? <laughs> uh, Cyber Exile, it looks like. Uh, what are your next-gen launch lineup predictions? I think Horizon 2 and Halo Infinite are locks, but beyond that, I can't think of anything. I don't think Horizon 2 is a lock at all. I think, um, it's, I think it's, it's getting I think there. it's possible. I think it's wishful thinking at this point, but I, think, uh, I don't think it's a lock the way Halo is. Why uh, do you think I the comic th- book is coming out this summer? Because um, it's ready. That's it? You don't Frankly, think it's to coincide think, with something important? No. no. Wow. It took them a long time to get um, it ready. That three years that after the happen. game launched. Yeah, well, I mean, they're going to they're gonna keep building something, but, like, I don't know. Like, it might just be to coincide with the PC version. That's so, uh, Sony does have a history of having games slip out of a fall yeah. release date. It sure does. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's really other, feasible I mean, to think Bree, that it could slip it, uh, to March. Yeah. Obviously, Godfall is a, is a lock, probably. 
uh, for PlayStation 5. And I think the other lock is, uh, even though it hasn't been mentioned or really dealt with, is Forza Horizon, or not Forza Horizon, Forza Motorsport 8 yeah. or 9, whatever they're on. I don't remember. Yep. They don't miss. New the Forza, Forza games Motorsport. don't miss. They've, they, New Vanilla Forza Motorsport. Yep. They take turns. Don't really they don't care miss. about, but they love showing you whatever the latest sponsored cover car is in their super high definition ray traced everything that'll be that'll be a big june demo i think and we're, we're whatever we're calling june since it's not e3 anymore like e nothing <laughs> e, like, I don't know. e for is, me that's pretty much e, what for, it is. e for me that's good yeah <laughs> uh here's one from aussie brit 2000 what happens when a gamer places their physical copy of a game on top of the Xbox Series X blocking the fan? <laughs> will the gamer get a warning? Will the console gracefully shut down? Or will the game uh, melt? Do you think placing the fan on top was a good idea? Uh, we found out soon enough when tens of millions will put it to the test. Good question, Ozzy. Uh, um, <laughs> I think it really was a bad uh, idea. I really do. I think they need more really than something one as light as it. Also, like, really something as light as a game case is not going to block the heat dissipation that it actually much. might blow the game off the top there might be enough because if that is the only port really for the exhaust on the series x there may be so much air going up through that thing you may not be able to set a game on top of it without it like knocking it off the top of it um Just i think, think it should have experiments strong. with that thing <laughs> I think I they should have more than one exit port for hot air. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, because with the way entertainment centers are, like sometimes like the one side of my console is pushed up against like one of the slats in like the shelving, but that's okay because there's vents on the right and on the back. Um, I just don't like knowing that there's one way you can never orient your console no matter what. If that makes sense. Yeah, like I think upside uh, down or, or sideways. If you have the vent up against like the side wall of your entertainment center or whatever, you'd have to make sure it's always yeah. facing the other way. Nitpicky, but yeah, I think uh, I think if you have heat issues at your apartment or house, you just put the console next to your hands. Nice, nice hand warmer. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, here's one from Vincent. What's the latest Sony could reveal things? Could it pull an Apple and reveal it first week of October and launch it the next week? No. I I mean they could. But I don't think that would work too well. Uh, you you want to do you want to do it more of a, of a movie launch because a phone is a more essential purchase. Um, whereas uh, also like the cult, the Apple cult is a real thing. Yeah. As as someone who has used Apple products for thirty some years, like yeah, that's that's. People are going to run out and buy that thing tomorrow, no matter what. Um, but like with with a with a console, I think you want like a, a month of run up. You want to, we want buses with the thing plastered on it. You want advertisements for it on the NFL games, even if there are no people in the stadiums. Um, like you you need to let people. It's like a movie. You need to let people know it's coming, and about a month is your lead time for also that. Also, precedent. Um, you know, Apple has that precedent of doing something like that. Right. You know that's that's just, something like, that's also, never like, going to change for them. So. Here's Sony, they're not going to do something this way extreme. I mean, clearly they're showing with what they did with the games, uh, with the talking about the hardware just last week. You know, they're staying on the same track they did last time. So I, I don't see them deferring. Also, while the, core. while the core gaming demographic doesn't determine what's a big hit or not, until it's like a macro degree in the marketplace. The imagine the amount of pissed off people uh, if they don't show anything in June. Like I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to play with that piranha at this point. Like you, you got to give, you got to give us something to talk about 
from the beginning of summer to like the big run up to the launch. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see that really happening. I would uh, say so- this of the three, I think PlayStation could probably pull it off the easiest. Oh, they could if probably. they did. Yeah, but, but still, not, they're not going to. Not do a it. smart idea. Yep. Uh, next up, Mike's Q, RVO guy. What's up, Mike's Q? Hope you're doing well, man. Hope you're surviving out there in Lancaster, PA, my old stomping grounds. Uh, Why do you think licensed games are given to bad developers, or is it just not enough time to make a good game? I am playing the Lord of the Rings beat-em-ups for GameCube, and they are awesome. And you are right. Those beat-em-ups are really freaking awesome. Um, But that is a flash in the pan, I would say. That is kind of an exception. Like, for instance, I remember that those Lord of the Rings beat-em-ups are awesome. Um, so, you know, they were they were an anomaly, something that isn't typical and that no one expected when they came out. So I hear you, but... I still have my version they were also, on PlayStation 2. Yeah. But they were also, like, a lot of developers that make bad licensed games are not bad developers. Yeah. Like, they just are not given the, the time frame. They're not given, you know, the space to design something that you know, is just, like, kind of a throw-together thing. I mean, the Lord of the Rings games got lucky in that they were by Stormfront, which was a very talented studio that was excited to make them and got the time to do it. Um, but even companies that have churned out like what would you consider a, like a mediocre license game now and again, like uh, Raven back in the day, Raven got that extra year when Wolverine Origins got delayed the movie to polish their Wolverine Origins game. And that game turned out to be one of the best license games ever. Um, yeah, isn't it dependent on like when the property is going to release yeah. something? That's the whole reason yeah. they do it, right? It's very, very dependent on that. You have no control over how long it takes to make a good game. You just have to make something that can be released when it's going to be released, and that's what happens. You also have very little control over ideas that you want to put into the game. Uh, There's always a veto power with the license holder, and that causes problems. In fact, that generally causes most of the problems. When the license holder gets involved with the game's development, that's when it all goes to crap. It, yeah. All the times where you let the hard... developer do their thing, that's when you get good license games. Yeah, I have a very hard time calling any developer that makes a bad license game a bad developer. Yep. Like they, you just there's too many X factors and too many too many things outside of the developer's control to to judge them on something like that. Nine times out of ten, if not more. Okay, we'll take one more question. I believe this is from Tota Mish. I can't read it; it's in orange on black. How much Game Pass will be included with an Xbox Series X? I would give them a three-month trial. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a sweet spot. I think that's, that's enough to where you, you understand everything about it. You understand what you're going to get out of it. You understand how mm-hmm. often games come in and out of it, and you understand how much you're going to yep. use it. So yeah, I think that. I think and you can give them ex- you can give them an example of what kind of games will rotate in on it. Yep. Like you want you want to make an impression on those two months. Yep. Absolutely. For, for some reason, for how much they've been banking on it, I'm thinking six months. Like I'm thinking they're really gonna try to push Game Pass on you to to have you enjoy it so much you're gonna totally forget six months that you have you have your credit card in that subscription. I'd say that would depend on how good their lineup is. If they're at a point where they're like, we have all these studios and none of them have games done, so what are we going to do? Then I could see six months. If they have a decent launch lineup, I'd say three. Yeah, if we get six months, you're not going to see Hellblade for a while. Yep, that's for sure. Exactly, because they're trying to distract you. They're like, hey, look over yeah. here and ignore the fact that we don't have any games that you really want to play. So, yeah, I, and you know, I, that's, 
I think that's a good way to look at it. Depending on launch lineup is how long you would want to give that away for free. All right, so that's it for Game Phase 205. Like I said, the last episode of the show that's going to look like this for quite a while. Uh, we're going to go into the uh, the lab and try to cook up something for Game Face going forward, but it will definitely look different than what you're used to from the last five years or so of the show. Um, but again, we're in the same boat as everybody else, and we're just going to roll with the punches and do the best that we can. So thanks to everybody who got on the stream today. We were actually able to promote the stream this time. Last week we weren't able to, and I do want to apologize for that. I know a lot of you guys were like, what the hell happened to Game Face? We actually started the show, what, like 30 minutes later than normal last week? Uh, 20 minutes. But it was like a scramble to get the show ready because we had to get mass Skype set up, and there was a bunch of problems with the audio and things. Um, and so I just wanted to get the show started so we weren't here all freaking day, and we didn't do pre-production or pre-promotion. Uh, we did do that today. It looks like a bunch more of you made it into the show today, which is good. But, you know, I just want to say on a personal level um, – you know, everyone's got to be tough. It sucks what's going on right now. Um, we just got to all buckle down and just bite the bullet. Thank God we're all gamers. I see all my friends who don't play games. They're struggling, man. They're losing it. They're like, I don't know what to do anymore. I had all these old hobbies I'll, that I got rid of. Also not bad not having any kids. That helps but. too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my friends that have kids are like losing their minds right now. So I feel for any of you guys who are at home. I think that everyone has a new appreciation now for teachers who deal with oh, yeah. our rugrats every day, all day, while we go about our lives. I know all my friends, all my my sisters and brothers who have kids, they're all flipping out. So stay strong, people. Um, I don't think there's a, an end in sight right now. Uh, but the good thing is, is that we're gamers, and so we're used to this. And there are a bunch of great games coming out right now. For instance... The remake of Resident Evil 3, which we'll talk about next week, is coming up soon. So as you guys are all finishing Doom, finishing off Animal Crossing, here comes Resident Evil. And pretty much for the rest also of the that, year. Also, that backlog you've been building for years, this is what it's for. Yeah, clean it off. Fit, <laughs> finish it. Get rid of your backlog. There, we can do it. I, I'm, not so, cause I'm not so sure about a lot of other people if they're going to be able to do it. But we have trained for this, young Padawans. We, we can totally handle it. So anyway... We're going to be here for you guys, even though the form of the show may change a little bit over the next week or two. Um, we're going to be here, and we're going to keep doing everything we can to keep bringing you guys content throughout this total insanity. Uh, but I love you guys. I'm thinking about all you guys all over the world. I know people are suffering, and people are losing their jobs. And all we can do is just send out the, all the positive vibes we can. Come on, sifted.net. Um, we're there for you guys. I mean, that's the great thing about building a community is that we can be support for each other in tough times. So... We'll see you guys next week. Stream should be live at the same time. It's not going to look like this, but it should be live around 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. Game Face is up and out.